Welcome to Anything Goes, the best geek and pop culture show broadcasting from Long Island, New York. I'm your host, Timothy Rooney, and we're back with a brand new episode, kicking off uh, kind of a little mini-series while we're going on with the uh, What's Your Favorite Scary Movie, the Scream uh, uh, retrospective that my friend Mike and I are doing. As you can tell from the title, we're talking about Toy Story, because I, re- I realized this, the... The day of this recording is June 6th, the Sunday beforehand, uh, just a couple days ago, I literally woke up and the first thing I saw on my, looked on my phone before I got out of bed was like a Twitter ad for Toy Story 4, and so I closed Twitter and I immediately text Dakota, my co-host, who's with me today. Hello! Um, yo, you want to cover the Toy Story trilogy before the new one comes out? Hell yeah! And I'm just like, uh, I literally, like, it was the first thing I did in the morning was just like have this idea, and then I'm like, you know what, I don't need to do much research, and it won't be that much of a massive undertaking or whatsoever oh, little did you know yeah and you know what the, the thing is right now like um there's a freaking x-men movies uh, trivia night going on a great south bay brewery that we could be at right now and could be rocking it and you could be rocking it i think like is it x-men in general or no, it's the it... x-men movies uh, yeah you could be rocking it yeah I, but i still I haven't like, seen all of them no from, yeah but i feel like I, I think our general X-Men knowledge, we could probably crush it right now. I think it's like, that's this week. Next week is, like, Stranger Things. The following week is Toy Story for the next one. And then, like, at the end. Wolverine is, is A, Mexican, B, American, or C, Canadian. Oh, um, um, he's German. Those were none of the options. <laughs> okay, anyway. Uh, Sorry. Yes. But as you can tell from the title, we're talking about Toy Story, our review of it. So let's jump into that right now. Yes, I knew. Like you get now, you have a reason to listen to the show again. Who says that I wasn't listening? I I highly doubt you sat through the entire Halloween franchise that my friend Mike and I did. Okay, moving on. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's okay. It's fine. It's fine. The, the, the show is just uh, growing leaps and bounds without you. That's all I say. Oh, all. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry for slowing you down. <laughs> <laughs> you see, like, you're hanging on to me. Like, get off me! Get off me! <laughs> no, take me! I love you! Oh, no. <laughs> it's it's like we're it trying to escape a molten lava coming at us. We're in a helicopter, and one of us has to go. Otherwise, the helicopter will take off, and I'm just beating you to get off. Like, try to save I, my I, own you're life. You're Batman, and I'm the shark. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, but he has a pretty hollow head when he hits that. Are you saying that about yourself? That you're just like... Maybe. Okay, then. Who backhands, back closed fists... A shark in the face. I mean, it's... Besides it, Batman. I mean, uh, Angelina <laughs> Jolene punched a shark in the nose during the second Tomb Raider movie, and... Yeah, well, she was wearing... You know. But uh, my, my favorite closed hand attack has to be um, in the original Star Trek uh, series where 
Bones's ex, we turned out to be an alien at that point, and is like, like um, taking control of the minds of everybody on the uh, Enterprise, and, except for Spock. He's the only one who's resisted her temptations. So he literally grabs both oh, yeah, fists, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, if she was the one you love, can I do this? Wham! And wham! And hits, both, <laughs> hits her with both fists in one punch. Yeah, multiple times. I saw that episode. It's like, it is what ridiculous. fighting style is this? I don't know. Like, it's just like... I mean, the show was known for just, like, throwing haymakers and everything like that. It was one of the most... Yeah, but that'll hurt. Hurt your hands more than anything. Yeah. I, I mean... It hurt you more than the person. Yeah, because you, like, you're pinching your fingers in between your fists and everything. Yeah. Uh. It's ridiculous. Anyway, Toy Story. Yeah. Um, All relevant. Yeah. Somehow. Yeah, yes. Um, was there any Star Trek toys in... Does Leonard Nimoy in here? No. <laughs> But it, there's a if you've never checked out the Toys That Made Us uh, documentary series on Netflix, the first episode's on Star Trek and how the merchandising uh, went through peaks and valleys throughout the years, hmm. and how the person who was running Star Trek um, he had a chance to do Star Wars, and he turned uh, it down, uh, and it went to Kenner. Uh, yeah. Sucks. Hindsight twenty twenty, but also he was like indicted on some kind of like shitty business practices, uh, business practices later down the road. So gotcha. yeah. Anyway, speaking I'll check of- out that series. I haven't seen it. Yeah, it, it, it is a. I know, like people being nostalgic is kind of like a bad thing. It's kind of turned like people have been very jaded towards that. So I feel like I think this is a nice look back of like. Toys from your youth and everything. Okay. It's, it's primarily like late, like seventies and eighties toys here, but like it leads into further t- uh, toy lines down the road. And I think they're doing a second series. That's awesome. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, um, speaking of histories with toys, toys. What, what is your history with Toy Story? Oh, this has been one of those movies that have great transition. Have been That's with me for ever. Um, I mean, I was too young to, re- to really remember seeing this in theaters. I doubt I saw it in theaters, but it was definitely on the VHS in our home. Let's <laughs> thought of the good fellas. As far back as I remember, I loved uh, <laughs> Toy Story. <laughs> it's just <laughs> you shooting toy shooting with a potato head full of bullets and something like that. No idea why. Excuse me. <laughs> but uh, it was one of the movie, more watched VHS movies uh, at, in my house. We loved my brother, sister, and I, we loved the movie. We kept watching it over and over again. We fell in love with the characters. And it's been with us forever. We saw Toy Story 2 in theaters. We to- saw Toy Story 3 in theaters. My sister and I cried during like the ending of Toy Story 3 just to have a little tween girl come, turn around and look at us like, seriously? And I'm going, fuck you, bitch. Wow. I didn't really say that, but, but it was like internally it was you like, said well, that. I was like, don't give me a dirty look. You were you weren't even like alive for the first two movies. Oh, that, that is you do realize that was like the first inclination of like get off my lawn uh, mentality. My lawn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, Clint, like you, your eyes like squinted a little bit when you when you made that comment. Yeah, but th- these movies have been with me for as long as I can remember. Nice. Um... I think this is the first movie I saw in theaters. I can't think of another movie earlier that I saw when I was a kid. I know it immediately dates us because this is how young we are in comparison to probably some of the, lot of some of the listeners of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember that day vividly because as I look at November 22nd, 1995 is when this movie came out. Right. And I can't believe it's going to be 25 years next year. Uh 
Wow. Yeah. Shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's the one thing. Uh, I think a year ago, I think my sister said to me, like, yeah, that's when you start measuring your life in decades. And I'm like, mm. Oh, God. Yeah. And I'm like, I understand why you don't want kids and everything. You want to travel the world because you want to see everything you can. Um, Before those fuckers weigh you down. Yeah. God damn it. Anyway, but on, on, on the other side, I did see like a, a little girl like walk down, walking like with her father at the library uh, recently, and it just looked very adorable. And I, and I had an epiphany. I understand why people have kids right there. For some reason, it just click with. Oh me yeah, on. no, I totally understand. But they are money sucking machines. Yes, I apologize to my parents. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I love in uh, the opening Simpsons for years is when um, and. Uh, the cashier at the supermarket accidentally scans Maggie like on there. Oh, and, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and like a little um, number, if you look closely, the number of that pops up for the the price for Maggie was at the time the average cost of a baby uh, per month. Oh boy! Yeah, and it's obviously gone up because inflation. Yes, and but. Me personally, I remember seeing this in theaters because it wasn't late in my favorite. I don't know if it was opening weekend or the following weekend, but it was my sisters, my mom, and I. I know my dad didn't come with me because I believe it was just like a Saturday, and I think my I think we had the roof re- we're going to be having redone later that before Christmas mm-hmm. because when I came home, like it already snowed right. this year. This early in the year, um, because it was my dad and our friend, uh, family friend Kerry, who was like, who's done a lot of home improvement stuff around the house here. They were shoveling off the roof specifically. Now I don't know if it was for like roof repairs or the fact that we got a lot of snow. It was like unexpectedly a lot of snow. We risk of the roof need to be had to be cleared cleared off or anything like that. I don't know if it was reshingled, but mm-hmm. that might have been the case. But I remember that specifically, and I just remember falling in love with this movie and. Ever since then, my sister Stephanie and I specifically, we could probably quote this movie from front to back. Right. And I, like, I'm waiting for the day into the need to like um, entertain our nieces and nephews like from our cousins and everything that we'll may have to put on a two-person show of Toy Story. Like, I'm just thinking <laughs> this on the top of my head. We may have to do this. And because... It was recently, it was for my my other sister Eileen's uh, baby shower. We came back here afterwards, and we put on the Back to the Future, and she was kind of tipsy and everything. And so we were quote, she was, we, her and I were just quoting along with it, and, the, and both of them were just like eyes glued to the movie the entire time, and especially at the end, like Olivia started walking towards the screen as Marty uh, raced off to get Back to the Future. Oh, boy. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, uh-huh. See, that's yeah. that's what I was like when I fell in love with this movie. Anyway. Yeah, no, uh, I just know... No, you told me about like how you and your sisters can quote this movie start to finish, and you have such great memories from it. That what that's why back in uh, I don't know how long ago when we did our top fifteen movies of yeah. all time, you, Nikki, and I, I was like shocked it didn't make your top fifteen list. I was like, no way. It's definitely a top twenty-five. I mean, I've have made a top one hundred list a, a couple of years ago, okay, and I kind of want to revamp it because I think it's just how. It changes. It changes because you, as a person, change. Like if you're completely stagnant, I think it's like I think you're just a kind of a boring person like that. I think a person should continue to adapt and change throughout life. Right. But before Toy Story came to the big screen, it had like a very interesting history. Before we get there, and then we have to go all the way back to 1974. You see, this is when I put in a music bed of like really cliche, groovy music to put on there. 
Uh, we are actually at the New York Institute of Technology, the NYIT, wow. where, yeah, where Alexander uh, Shore is the person who developed a company called Computer Graphics Lab, and it was one of the first like using of computers to try and do animation at that time. And after a few years, it was later acquired by George Lucas because they needed a computer division going on further in the early 1980s. Mm. Yes, and two of the people who would come on to run uh, Pixar uh we have um I was trying to think here Alan uh, Alvy Ray uh, Alvy Ray Smith and uh David um D Frank D Francisco I think I may have added extra uh, syllable to his name there <laughs> I apologize and I'm just like what was that name in um Elf Francisco. It was Francisco. Francisco. Ooh, that's fun to say. Yeah. Francisco. <laughs> that ran through my head as I pronounced that man's name. I apologize. That's same, actually. I was holding you back. Um, and so they were kind of helping develop a computer division for that. Um, and they started making some short films as well as the same time, John Laster, a person who is a huge fan of Disney, w- went to Cal Arts, the, the, California Institute of, uh, I want to get this correct. Uh, California Institute of the Arts, excuse me, where he met a future colleague, Brad Bird. They were in the same class together. And the, the intro to animation, like um, Room, is A113, right. which is a recurring thing that you see throughout a lot of Pixar movies and a lot of Brad Bird movies in general. You see it in actually a good chunk of movies in general. Yeah, because so many people went through. Yeah. I, I'm, I mean, it was in, wasn't it in, uh, well, no, SFX was in Lion King before they yeah. erased it. Um, I'm trying to think. I'm, I maybe I may be mistaken here. I think maybe Tim Burton went to Cal Arts. I wouldn't well. be surprised because, because he started an animation at Disney. Yeah, actually, um, I did watch a Walt Disney Studios uh, um, documentary uh, about Walt, mm-hmm. and then uh, I think it was just called Walt. It's on Netflix right now. Right. And then I followed it up by renting uh, Waking Sleeping Beauty. Mm-hmm. It uh, Walt Disney flooded Cal Arts with a bunch of money to make sure their programs are top notch that way it's it almost became like his recruiting ground right specifically hiring people from cal arts almost mm-hmm. so you had people that were working together on these big movies that graduated cal arts together like whole classes mm-hmm. so it was just really interesting that it's I mean, disney probably still sources from cal arts and cal arts is one of the more renowned art institutes in the u.s yeah i mean it's probably one of the biggest anime it's probably it was sought after animation school to get into. Yeah. Because of its reputation, because of the alumni that have gone to the and doors there. all the connections you get from it. Exactly. And that's the one really good thing about Walt, that he always wanted, yeah, like, he, potent, like future-proofing himself yeah, he, with he, uh, potential employees after that. He didn't care anything about you as long as you had talent. Yeah. But if you want a union, ho, 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 laughing like a French person all of a sudden. Like, I'm very serious. Walt Disney wasn't French. No. But his hatred of unions has led to the kind of, like, look into, like, why people make so many jokes about Walt Disney. And it's really linked back to unions right there. 
Among other things. Yes. Anyway, and so John Laster was a student, like I said, at CalArts, and would go on to, he'd worked at, um, at Disneyland, Anaheim, as like, I think like the Jungle Cruise, like ca- like uh, captain at one point before okay. he got into animation, and he found the idea of like working with computers once that became a viable option to be very fascinating, and he worked on on with uh, trying to make a after he saw the the light uh, bike chase from Tron, and right. that's when he was like, okay. This has the potential to revolutionize animation. Mm-hmm. And so he tried to get an adaptation of Where the Wild Things Are done while he was working at Disney and as a short film. And then they would try to do The Brave Little Toaster was like something else he tried to get done. However, him and another employee, uh, Thomas Dish, tried to get that done. So he went, they really put their hearts behind that and apparently ruffled the feathers of the directors of that. Mm-hmm. And so much so that they were later fired because of that and so after meeting people from pixar or later become like it was lucasfilm animation right there they hired john lasseter and but this is the point where like okay this is and they tried to make the pixar imaging machine and it's not really not generating money for george lucas right so enter steve jobs and this is where he buys pixar from lucas for $5 million and puts another $5 million into Pixar and not too much longer after he's gone from Apple. So I'm just like, you hope to God that the Pixar would later pay off. Yeah. Because it was not too long after the Macintosh that he was gone, that he was kind of voted out, I believe from spoken. Yeah. And if you haven't had a chance to check out, um, Steve jobs, um, with a Michael Fassbender and it's, Directed yeah. by Danny Boyle, and it's um, it's literally three small plays, and it all takes place before the launch of a new Apple product. It takes place in 84, 88, and then right before the iMac. And it's just like, just right before, and all the kind of like, all the ins and outs of Jobs' uh, like Wozniak, his daughter, and so on and so forth. And it's actually, it, like, if you like the West Wing and you like the really talky, like Aaron Sorkin, dialogue it is fantastic acting acting yes it literally is like like some of the cinematography is not like it's just like all right we're gonna shoot a lot of singles we're gonna shoot a lot of close-ups and everything mm-hmm. but it's just like it's, just, it's it's the movie that made me re- really respect um seth rogan as an actor that i know that he can do dramatic work right and as wozniak and so whenever i hear the name wozniak i also think of the um Epic rap battles of history. Yes, I was, <laughs> which is one of the best raps they've ever done. Steve Jobs versus Bill Gates. Yes. Um, along, while this is going on, they Pixar started started making some short films, and they also lended uh, works to um, ILM as they helped do the Shattered Stained Glass uh, Night from Young Sherlock Holmes, and it was like the first complete CGI character, and they made. Um, short film. The first short film they did afterwards is like Alexo Junior, which is like which is the two lamps, the 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 fo- yep. parent lamp and the small one, and the little ball that would become that you would see. I think I forget which which one did that open up that short film. Was it just like an extra on? The it was toy? just an extra. Okay, I don't think it was e- because the first short film to open up any Pixar movie was the old man playing uh, chess. 
chess against himself. And that was in A Bug's Life. That was in A Bug's Life. Right. So they did uh, – that one was just a short film that they eventually put on, like, special features for, like, the Toy Story or whatever uh, re-release they had for DVD. Mm-hmm. Um, that and uh, – I'm sure you're getting it to it. Uh, Tin Toy? Yeah. Tin Toy was, was an Oscar-winning short film where it was literally, like, a little drummer boy kind of toy. Mm-hmm. and Like a one-man band – yeah, like he would move, and he, like toys. all the the instruments would perform, and it's a baby playing with these toys, like a teething baby. Yeah, but he's like he's terrorizing all the toys, and all the toys are hiding under the couch away from him. And it starts the the toy uh, the toy realizes like the baby's crying, so he tries to go and make, make it, him feel better. Yeah, but the kid ends up falling in love with the box. Yeah, the box that he came in, and then the toy got offended. Yeah, because the kid's literally walking around with the box on his head and yeah. everything. And it, it is it was because of that and the success of that Oscar-winning short that Disney decided to say, like, hey, like maybe we should do this Toy Story movie again. Maybe we should get into business with Pixar. Yeah, but it's weird because the gap between the two were actually pretty long, like seven years. Yes. So in 1988, Tin Toy came out, and then 95, Toy Story came out. Right. I mean, because it was at that point, it took four years of development to get um, Toy Story made. Right. So like by 91, the, the deal was in place. So I guess it was a couple of years of like, but you got to think of where Disney was. Yeah, they point. were. They, they, the Renaissance has did not come into full swing yet. No, and you, you got to think like I, I understand why. One of the things that John Laster was said right before he was fired is that unless computers can do animation cheaper and faster, we have no interest in doing that. Hmm. That was before he fired. Now, because you gotta think at the point like like eighty one, eighty two, like Black Cauldron is what eighty four, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, like, no. So. And, 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 and like this is kind of a down period. This is like post even Disney adequate. So this is like this is this is technically the Bronze Age when it comes to uh, Disney films and everything. And then it's kind of is not to say it's diminishing returns, but like they were not making any real. Nineteen eighty five Black Cauldron. Okay, out. thank you. Um, because like, I you would say like the last true great hit for Disney before that was what Robin Hood. Yeah, and that was according to them just hardly a hardly a hit. Yeah, I think that that that's movie's reputation grew as it went. Yeah, definitely. And um, but it was a, it was dark times for the studios. They did not none of the animators cared for what they were doing. They were all just kind of like, oh well, just just get through this one, and then um, changes were made. Yeah, but then, big I mean, change like uh, well, what's who's who's uh, Fred Disney. Disney. What are you talking about? Roy? Roy Disney. Thank yeah. you. Wow. I, yeah. Right over Ted. Yeah. No, Roy uh, Disney made the decision, hey, let's bring in Hollywood people. Right. And that turned the studio around 180 degrees and the animators were not happy because the first thing that they did was kick everyone out of the animated studios, animation studios to bring in the live action people to like, that will be their base camp. Right. All you animators, there's a bunch of trailers in that parking lot over there. <laughs> Well, I mentioned animation videos, like really dilapidated ones and falling apart or anything. Like, yeah, like old Winnebago's, like attached, like soldered together. <laughs> You've been banished on the grounds and everything. And they're, you're, you're they're right by the dumpsters. Oh, <laughs> take the hint. <laughs> uh, so it makes sense why they want to go into business at them because I believe it was. 89 when the little mermaid came out yes all right so then like that's the really beginning of the new renaissance to it 
Even though some people think the Great Mouse Detective was the beginning of the Renaissance, it's not true. I, I love I love Great Mouse Detective. I have not seen it since I was a kid, so I can really not say for it. I think I saw it about like two or three years ago, mm-hmm. and I still enjoyed it tremendously. I know our friends on the um, Real Fans for uh, Disorder. For, yeah, on Disorder, they pretty much took a huge steaming dump on that movie. <laughs> that one is a ticket. I think Michael uh, was the biggest defender. Michael of that. was. The other two. <gasps> yeah. Andy and uh, Hunter. Hunter. Oh, we're my not, God. I understand they were not the biggest fans, but I know Jeremy, who was a, fr- who was a friend of this show, who was trying to convince all of us, even after that episode dropped, like, amongst the group, was just, like, trying to convince us, like, no, this is when the start of the, uh, uh, the run starts. It was a plight uh, ribbing that we gave him afterwards for that. <laughs> uh, anyway, and so... They gave him a budget between uh, it's report between twenty six and thirty million dollars to make a uh, Toy Story, mm-hmm. and four years development and like early ideas where like Jeffrey Katzenberg, who was working at Disney at the time, had a very different idea for the creation of Woody. They were it was very cynical and the humor was very dark. I mean, there's even you can find it on YouTube or, or like the storyboard sequence with Tom Hanks's audio where Woody's a real dick. Yeah, actually, um, we watched that right before we started recording, and thank God they did not go with that version because you, Woody was just downright unlikable. Oh, yeah. There's no way you were going to bring him back. No, you, you would have to have killed him. Yeah. I, I mean, it was ridiculous, but do you know who saved the movie? Do you know who came in to help it? A person who, a little over, like, almost 15 years later, would revolutionize the summer blockbuster, and kind of changed Hollywood by his actions. Joss Whedon. Mm. He was one of the script doctors. He was brought in to help that. And along with Joel Cohen, one half of the Cohen brothers, he would, they're, he's one of the, the uh, credited writers on this movie as well. Interesting. Yeah, like one of the things that Whedon brought this is like, it should be a buddy cop movie, uh, or a buddy movie, I should say. Um, that it should not be a musical because that was an, an idea that was kicking around at I'm first. So that's a musical. Yeah, because it's like this is all internal. This is not the kind of movie that would hang their emotions on via song. Mm-hmm. Uh, the character of Rex was definitely one of his creations of uh, the neurotic dinosaur. Yeah. Well, they had it capitalized on also Jurassic Park. Uh, Jurassic Park. It makes sense why they want to do that. And also that um, he wanted to, he had the idea of Buzz not being aware that he's a toy. Which is adds a great uh great and like it just it was a great feature to the movie itself because that obviously com- a lot of comedic moments but a lot of great uh great moments later on in the movie as well yeah exactly that it, it, because it's like if a it makes a lot of conflict and it also invites a lot of comedy at yeah. his expense that he is really unaware of that of that that he is the odd man out here but also um, it, it really makes his character arc that much more definable. Yes, like, like he wants to get back to Star Command, but ne- he he his need is to realize that he is a toy, right? And accept it. And same uh, thing with Woody is that he Woody wants to be the top dog in Andy's life, but his need is to recognize there's going to be other toys in Andy's life. Correct. 
And it just like, it just generated such conflict right there. And after four years of R and D and like one of the early ideas before, before Woody and Buzz was like, all right, it's going to be the tin toy that we spoke about. And like a ventriloquist doll. Yeah. Want. Tin toy gets left behind a gas station and runs into a ventriloquist toy. Yeah. That was, the, that was the, the, the gas station was like the Genesis of this uh, idea. Yep. And I, <laughs> Genesis. Genesis? Yes. Uh, Star Trek. Uh, uh, three. It return uh, search Spock. Genesis. Spock. And so I think after all of that, and they came up with, like, we have the cast, we have Tom Hanks as Woody, we have Tim Allen as Buzz Lightyear, Don Rickles as Mr. Potato Head, uh, Jim Barney, <laughs> Ernest himself as Slinky Dog. <laughs> oh, Jim Barney. It, it, it took me years to realize that that was Ernest who was the one voicing Slinky. Yeah, right? Yeah, it is ridiculous. They had to reanimate him once uh, because he wasn't their first choice for Slinky. And then once they brought him on, he did the... Uh, did the voice uh the voiceover work mm-hmm. they were like oh we have to reanimate slinky to look more like him yeah yeah and, and it is there's a great behind the scenes documentary about the first uh toy story and it's so curious it's like it's i have not seen that many interviews with jim varney but it's nice to see him not being full-blown earnest yeah and having having a conversation um there's a great photo of him and rob williams staying together and Robin Williams is the straight man in this photo because he's just wearing this like weird tie at a red carpet, and Ernest and Jim Varney's dressed up as Ernest, and he's like, <laughs> and it's it, I know it like <laughs> somebody's just gonna have a weird a mental image of what I just described to you right there. Um, hmm. um, I'm having a weird mental image of that right now. Of course, um, we have a uh, Wallace Shawn as Rex, who is fantastic. Yeah. Um, and John Ratzenberger, who voices Ham, who would go on to voice, I think, a role in every Pixar movie going forward? Yep, until he passed away. Yes. And Andy Potts is Bo Peep. We have John Morris as Andy. Eric Von Denton as Sid. Laurie Metcalf as Mrs. Davis. Arlie Ermey as the sergeant. And Sarah Freeman as uh, Hannah. Um, you also have Penn Gillette as the TV, as a commercial, Buzz Lightyear commercial announcer. He was so, apparently he was so loud, um, he, his voice went straight through the soundproof room. Yeah. And, okay, I'm, I'm, I think he was the one who speaks in Penn and Teller. I think Teller's the one who doesn't speak. Yep. Okay. I just want to be sure with that. Because to show you how much Penn and Teller I've actually watched in my life. I haven't watched, I know of them, but yeah. I haven't Yeah. I think they have a master class. No, I don't think they have a master class. I think... They have a show of them, like, uh, well, magicians try to wow them, and they have to try and figure out how they pull off their tricks. Oh, boy. And I heard that's actually pretty good. And so the movie opens up with a stick-up as uh, all the toys is being held up by Mr. Potato Head with a taped-on revolver. All right. Nobody move. <laughs> We're going to try and refrain from quoting the entire movie, the entire uh, podcast, but it, we make no promises. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Money, money, money. <laughs> Somebody, please do something. The idea, yeah. So we have all the toys reenacting a kind of a showdown, and what the animators wanted to do was to have a spaghetti western in the eyes of a child. Yeah, and of course, like if you're a kid, you have various different toys like that. You'll just mix and match. You don't care, mm-hmm. and that's why we have Mister Potato Head with his attack toy with a built-in force field with Slinky Dog. Yeah, I brought my dinosaur who eats uh, <laughs> eats force field dogs. Yeah, yep, 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 yep. And so, okay, and it's two things. A, I guess Andy and his sister share a room? Probably. Okay. I, I, it's, I a big, it's a big house, though. 
Yeah, I, I feel like I, or, I don't know, like you don't have that big of an age difference between you and your sister. Right. I mean, like, I think it's like if I shared a room as a baby with my, let's just, even I, like, had a tiny room to myself as a kid and everything. I just feel like it's just odd that he's sharing a room with his sister. A little bit. Yeah, I I didn't really give much thought to it until you brought it's it up. It's only this viewing that I realized that. Yeah, there was a couple things from this viewing that I realized a couple things. Mm-hmm. So You realized was, a couple things about realizing a couple things? Uh, let's, Yeah. Yeah, let's just make it awkward. (laughs) (laughs) It's what I do. Okay, but anyway, I know I did not put much thought into the fact that they share a room together. I'm sure it's not uncommon. No, it's probably not uncommon. It's just something that I just that stuck out to me this viewing. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah, so they do the whole spaghetti western sequence, which is so memorable. Actually, as a kid, I remember I tried to do the whole cardboard box thing Mm -hmm. where you have like one, like two. Half of the faces are one picture and the other half are a different picture. Right. They were thrown out immediately. They were garbage. To them? No, my mom thought it was garbage. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Just that, I remember doing that. It just popped into my head. Uh, You got a friend of me starts. (laughs) (laughs) The possibly. Arguably the most iconic song in the Disney library. You could probably make a point that everyone knows that song. I mean, it's a tough thing because it's probably you got like When You Wish Upon a Star. I think it's arguably like their most well-known song. Well, they, I, mean, they, I mean, obviously they use it at to open up every Disney movie. Yeah. Um, I mean... Akuna like, Matata. Akuna Matata. Much to your chagrin. We're not talking about the Lion King here. Yeah, I know. Like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe we should do a video review of uh, you seeing that movie. I watched it recently. Uh, I'm talking about the new one. Oh. No. I don't no. want to pay for that. No, I don't want to pay for it. I don't no. want I don't want it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want it. <laughs> Uh, everybody look left. Uh, everybody look right. Stop. That, that is... Andy, if you're listening to this, I'll take back everything I said about you with the Great Mouse Detective of you shitting on that because I full 100% agree with you that I just can't wait to be a king is total shit. We're back to Toy Story now. Okay. I love, that, I love that. <laughs> Andy throws Mr. Potato Head to the uh, to uh, his little sister, who immediately starts tearing him apart, <laughs> like babies do. Yeah, <laughs> which I don't know why. I knew it was coming, but watching this time, I was laughing a lot harder than expected. Oh. Um, and so, your feelings on Ray Newman's score overall, specifically with "You Got a Friend in Me" right here. Specifically, on "You Got a Friend with Me." Yeah, I guess we could bring up the rest of the songs as we go through. Okay, so. Overall, this movie can't have any anything else. Randy Newman's score and songs for this movie are iconic. They're good for the movie. Uh, I mean, uh, you got a friend in me. That whole opening secret, opening title, uh, opening title sequence is great and memorable. I love it because it really established establishes the love between Andy and Woody. And I think it's like the only Pixar movie with an opening title sequence. It is, yes, and. And, 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 like, you can't help but smile during that song. Yeah. Oh. 
And I know the, the the easiest jokes to make about Randy Newman as a musician and everything. I mean, it, it is hackneyed at this point, but it, yeah. it, it, there are easy jokes to make. I'll, I'll concede that. There but, is. I mean, that's why I said in the scope of this movie, the songs work. But I was listening to the soundtrack on the way over here. It was really hard to get through the songs without any context from the movie. <laughs> Why they sing the very like it's it's like the song is way too long. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like one of those things where like um like you think of John Williams' score and you just um, you immediately imagine the music because it's, it's like. In the words, it, it hit a lot of John Williams' music, well, Mickey Mouse's, um, the images is married to. Right, no, well, like, but, like, in You Got a Friend in Me, like, it's, what, 60 sequence, 60 second sequence? Something like that, The song's yeah. three and a half minutes long. The full version. Yeah. Basically, Same I, thing with Strange, uh, Strange Things. You see the whole, like, transition that they're going through, that Woody's going through in that whole thing. But that sequence is, like, 30 seconds long, and the song's three minutes long. Is it just because you're so used to the abridged version? I think that might be it. Okay. But it's still, like, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I'm not the biggest Randy Newman fan, so. That's fair. Uh, he's very talented musically-wise, because I know he's done a lot of scores and stuff like that. But and which worked great for this movie. Some of the most iconic scores because I I caught the beginning of the opening sequence score mm-hmm. and it just plays in your head. Everything from like the opening Disney sequence to like it going down like into a cloud and then scrolling down to like the whole bank setup and mm-hmm. Woody like reach for the sky. Oh no, Sheriff Woody! And like you just end up quoting it as all, you go as, yeah. you, as you listen to the score on its own. So the score is great. The songs work for the movie. The songs stand alone, not so much. Gotcha. And so we find out that it's Andy's birthday today, and Andy, oh no, it's Andy's birthday party today. It's been moved up because <gasps> they want to have it before the move. And we we realize that it's just the mom and uh, Molly and Andy. Mm-hmm. Now the reason why animation wise, because it would just that's one less character they have to animate, right? Because humans were very hard to do. That's why they lean on toys because the plastic they look was like okay, it it helped with the movie. Yeah, and every other human character that we see, like full on face, is just a variation of everybody we see. Yeah, so most of the characters are based off Molly, Andy, and Mrs. Davis. Yeah, but the the people have kind of speculated that they're going through that they have recently. This is a divorced family. I can believe it. And the, that's the reason why the move. Like, they, they got separated, and now they're moving out. Right. And uh, that's like, that's like, can you kind of headcanned, like, a cracked, or, or cracked article that was written a couple years ago that's been kind of, like, people were kind of like, all right, that makes a little more sense. And so, Andy brings uh, Woody back up to his room, drops him off, grabs Molly, and leaves, and this is when the toys come alive. <gasps> now, there was a movie years ago before this where it's kind of like um Christmas toy that's the name of it where that's another movie where we had a a movie where we had toys that didn't come alive and they believe that it is a 80s um <clears throat> TV special I think it was Jim Henson oh my god yeah I remember this mm-hmm Except this is puppets and live action. Yeah. 
Uh, as I quote the Cracked article right here, nine years before Toy Story, ABC aired a one-hour TV special called The Christmas Toy. Like Toy Story, it stars a group of toys that come to life when no one is around. But the similarities go way beyond that. In The Christmas Toy, the main character is also a toy who grows up insecure when he hears of the owner receiving a present that he could replace him as his favorite. Instead of Woody the Cowboy Doll, it's a stuffed tiger named Rugby. And so on and so forth. And... Um, apparently, Barbie doll shows up, and apparently, like they want, um, Joss Whedon wanted uh, Barbie to come save them at the end of this movie, but Mattel wouldn't play ball with them and said no. Yeah, they were too worried that the movie was going to be a flop, and they didn't want to put their name on that. No, but and apparently, in the Christmas story, there's also a big, um, uh, that they have a big bear, like a purple bear, was going to be a part of it as well, kind of like lots of hugs, like in Toy Story 3. Yeah. Another story thread that was kicked around before Toy Story came about is that, that the, the toys, when it was the tin toy and the ventriloquist doll, well, they would end up at a, um, um, daycare. That was one of your early yes. ideas, which they that... saved for Toy Story 3. Mm-hmm. And so it is kind of curious to see, like, it's, I don't know if it's just, like, that they saw it and they forgot about it, or it was just one of those parallel thoughts things which does happen throughout life, because there's a lot of things of similarities coming out. Yeah. Unlike Ants, which, which is genuinely a rip-off of Pug's Life. Jeffrey Kansberg. And Pug's Life is a rip-off of... Magnificent Seven, Magnificent which, seven, which was, was a rip-off rip of the Seven Samurai. It, the circle continues. Everything goes back to Kurosawa. That's all I'm saying here, man. And you know what? If you're going to rip off somebody, rip off the best. Rip off Kurosawa. Yeah, art. I mean, art in general is just stealing ideas. Oh, yeah. There, there's a quote where John Sayles says, just rip off from everybody. Yeah. Art just, just inspires the art and everything. But the toys are like, okay, we need to make, uh, we need to deal with this right now. And... Woody tries to downplay it, and we have all introduced to all these other characters. We have Rex, like I said, uh, the the dinosaur. We have Mr. Potato, like Don Rickles, and John Ratzenberg Ham, the piggy bank. Uh, Bo Peep, who's like a porcelain doll with her sheep and everything, that has a kind of romantic feelings for Woody. Uh, we have an etched sketch, um, uh, Slinky Dog, as we said by Jim Varney. Um, we have a hockey. Uh, uh, what are you looking at, you hockey puck? <laughs> <laughs> Which apparently that that was like a, a punchline on um, when Don Rickles would ha- would deal with heckle- hecklers. Really? And, and I think that's why they they had that in there. <laughs> there's so many times where I've said that that image of the hockey puck with it shrugging, like, "What did I do to my sister?" Because he's like, "That's how much I feel uh, uh, throughout life." <gasps> what? Um. And everybody's freaking out that like all the like they're like they're gonna be replaced and everything. But they're like, no, no, everything's gonna be fine. We've gone through this from birthdays to Christmases. We're gonna be cool. I hate to break it to you, but they're here. <laughs> yeah, Ham causes like uh, a riot here, and all the toys race to the window to look at who's coming in. And it's all the kids arriving for the birthday party with presents. Look, look, that one's a small one. It's <laughs> <laughs> a giant one, like six feet long. I'm like, is that a telescope or has, baseball bat? I have, it, it, I have no idea what it was, but it was long. It's quite long, <laughs> but very narrow. Surprisingly narrow. Anyway. I was going to let you die on that one. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah. What, but the is there whole any dinosaur shaped ones? Oh, you, oh, you idiot. They're all in boxes. boxes. They're getting bigger. <laughs> <laughs> and so, 
Woody decides to send down a reconnaissance mission to take a look at what's going on here and mm-hmm. just to calm everybody down. So all I, the little green men pop out. I love the sequence. Oh, it's so good because you. this is how you played with them. You had them like the twist to make them walk. Yeah, on because their... we have the plastic green army figures here with the – they have too much plastic on their head. They're stuck in one position and they mm-hmm. have the plastic – um, bottom so they would yeah. stand up properly. The, my biggest criticism is the paras- no the parachutes never work correctly. No, they always get tangled and fall. Yeah, exactly. So those parachutes were magical. Yes. Um, and another thing is that apparently they took the receiver, not the microphone with them. I heard that, yeah. And I'm just like, huh. huh. I guess the animators were, didn't, were not parents at the point. Who knows? Maybe. Or they just aesthetically look better the opposite way yeah and so and of course the sergeant is voiced by none other than r lee Irby because of course he would be the one to uh why wouldn't he have gunny like vo- voicing your army soldier yes i mean he, he he happily played that role throughout his entire life after full metal jacket's success yeah even the geico commercials you know what makes me feel sad you do <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. I mean, like, he even has, like, he plays a dead drill instructor in Frighteners as a ghost. Oh. And, like, Peter Jackson's like, canonically, I think this is the, this is the same Gundy from Full Metal Jacket. Just, ha- just <laughs> keeping the graveyard in shape. <laughs> I buy it. Yeah. Um, I love it when he's, like, he's yelling at all the other ghosts who are popping out of their graves. And he just morphs into... Full battle when he's got dual M60s and he fires it into the air to keep him in line. Like, all the ghosts die back in, into their coffins. Uh, it is ridiculous. And so, um, the little green man, <laughs> they hear uh, Andy's mom coming, so they strike a pose, and we find out what the toys do is that they freeze in their natural positions whenever mm-hmm. a human is around. Now, put a pin in that because I'm going to bring that up later. And so Andy's mom comes out and accidentally steps on one of them, knocks him away as the other toys up in Andy's room turn on the their um, play school uh, baby monitor to find out what's going on. Because, and it's this is such a Joss Whedon thing because it's an editing joke here. and They're wondering, like, what's taking them so long? And uh, Woody assures them, saying, don't worry, these guys are the best. No, they're not lying down on the job. Editing joke. They're all down. lying down. Yeah. Because there's, like... At least uh, like fifty of those editing jokes in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. At least is is I'm like I can see that's such a Joss Whedon thing there. And uh, friends of the Sunnydale Stacks, they 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 call it, they scream like editing joke. <laughs> and, and of course, the one who stepped on. Yeah, go go on without me. Just go. Good soldier never leaves a man behind. And so they 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 deal with him. They they try and uh, rep, they try to. Um, have a medic tend to them as they view the uh, birthday presents being unwrapped. How would a medic mend a... How would that work? Bend him back into shape. But he was broken. Like, his foot... Like, one of his feet was... Glue? Maybe. <laughs> it's a that's the... one thing that's always, like... The, like, the medic like a, just pats him on the back. He's like, he's got. <laughs> turns to the sergeant, just like, just like, not shakes his head. No, they, they, they take him back and shoot him like old yeller. Yeah, in the middle of like the <laughs> the broadcast by Mama. Uh, was it Mama Bird? Yeah, <laughs> Mama Bird. Is, 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 uh, 
Charge, what was that? Nothing, nothing. That was a that was a present opening. <laughs> nothing, and, everything's, nothing's wrong. It's a big one. Andy's really excited about it. <laughs> Blam! <laughs> we're all fine here. We're all fine here. We're good. How are you? <laughs> they pull on so low there. To- <laughs> that, w- that would be funny. Um... And so all the toys seem to be accounted for, and like somebody brings bed sheets. That kid's a little lame. Bed sheets? Uh, Who invited him? Yeah. Um, a lunchbox? A lunchbox for lunch. Slinky's <laughs> <laughs> like amused by that. <laughs> um, and everything seems to be accounted for. The last uh, toy is, seems to be Battleship. It's a board game, Battleship. And so it's like, whew, I guess we're all. We're all Mission good accomplished here. Pack it up. Let's go home. But this is when um, this is when the swerve happens, and Andy's mom pulls a Buzz Lightyear shaped box or a wrapping paper box out of the closet, right? And opens it up, and we don't see what's in. They're trying to they're desperately trying to figure out what it is, and we just see the silhouette of a box being held in the air. <laughs> What? What is it? And Rex shakes the table where the uh, remote is on and falls off and the batteries pop out. And uh, to no avail, they try to put the batteries back in the wrong way. Oh, yeah. Like, they're trying to, like, like slam uh, positive on positive right there. Yeah. It takes way to put them back together. But while that's going on, Andy and the kids are racing up to his room. Mm -hmm. And they turn, they be able to get the batteries back in right at that moment. But that's when they realize they're... The kids are coming back up, and they have to assume the position of where they were before Andy left. Right. And so they do, and Eleven Rex is like, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. And he goes <laughs> right into the trash can and knocks himself silly. And kids come in, all the toys are back, they're frozen, and they're running around, and we don't see what they're playing with. But Woody gets knocked over, and the new toy is put in his place. <sighs> okay. Now, Andy leaves the toy upstairs. I don't know. I feel like I would have had that toy up on my side. Like, If it was it. me, I would, like, clutch, like, like I wouldn't leave no, my no, side no, no, the entire no, because day. Especially when we find out, because the toys come back alive. They're wondering, like, why is Woody under the bed? It looks like somebody's replaced him. Uh, no, no. It's just it's just a he had too much cake and ice cream. And it's, it's just a mistake. A, it's a mistake. As they, they, Which, as by Woody, the way, that has to be the most overemphasized word in this entire movie. What do you mean, mistake? Mistake. Why do you say that? Because, oh, it's just a mistake. Well, that mistake is sitting up here. We go home and tell everyone this is just a big mistake. And just mistake is so emphasized. I remember as a kid growing up, like, okay, that's the word mistake. To the point where I thought mistake was M-I-S-S-S-T-E-A-K. Because they emphasized the steak part of it. I was like, huh. Yeah, they really do lean on that second syllable they right really there. They really do. So as a kid, that always stuck in my head that they you used screw up the spelling a mistake a lot. Yes, yes, I did. Okay, it's okay. I still screw up uh, writing, uh, typing out alcohol. Really? Yeah. Hmm. There's a lot. There's certain words like I was terrible at spelling, but I, I still am to this day. I'm so glad for spell check and. There's a couple words like that with me, but mistake I have grown out of. Yeah. Um, sometimes ridiculous. I I, I screw up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anyway, um, and so Woody goes up and finds out it is a Buzz Lightyear action figure sitting there on top, standing up there at the top of the uh, bed. But there's a thing here. We have, like, Buzz thinks he's legit Buzz Lightyear. Thinks he's the Buzz Lightyear? And Woody tries to interact with him, and he thinks, like, oh, no, he's on an alien planet. He has to get back to the gamma section. 
and all the toys kind of ended, introduced to him, and they immediately are fawning over Buzz yeah. here. Which is a new shiny toy. <laughs> Where are you from? From the Gamma region. Sector 12. Okay. Oh, really? I'm from Mattel. I'm, I'm from play school, and I'm from Mattel. Well, not really Mattel. It was the company that was bought out by Mattel. <laughs> hey, I love that. Like Buzz is trying to uh, put. The, he, he's trying to follow the, the 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 dotted lines there for what Rex is trying to tell him there, and it is very curious here because one thing that we say about the Toy Story trilogy is that they'll plant ideas in, in movies and they'll follow up them in the in the next ones. Okay. And they do it in a very subtle way because, like, we have here where the idea of space toy taking over for cowboys. Right. Which is further emphasized in Toy Story 2. Right. We have an Alice Toy Barn, Toys Toys Barn commercial in here. We had to see the Toy Store in Toy Story 2. Which I think they also reference in Toy Story 3. Yes. I think they do mention of... Like there was a commercial in passing or something like that. Right. And then they, they have, which we had the sticky piece, like kind of Everybody. biggest fear in the end of Toy Story 2 comes to fruition in Toy Story 3 of Andy growing up and such. Yeah. Everything's a buck, buck, buck. <laughs> <laughs> I hope to God that was not live. That was like to tape and they they still put that on the air. <laughs> Whomever the, the videographer just like just went to the TV station like yo Jerry you're gonna want us to watch this it is hilarious yeah but yeah no they do they the first three movies are very well tied together yeah but this is when Woody tries to reassure his dominance here yeah and tries to put down the fact that like he's just that Buzz is just a toy and Buzz is resistant to the idea and he's just like oh yeah if you're so cool I. I I you you you're not a space ranger. He doesn't shoot lasers and fly. And excuse, um, excuse me. me. And Whoa. the pop out wings and everything. Oh, these are not wings. They're plastic. And I love the foley of that when he shakes him. You do hear the bending of the plastic when he does that. Yeah. And Buzz is like, I fly around this room with my eyes closed. And he's like, All right, fine, do it. And just by sheer coincidence, he's able to go from a things- series of happy accidents. So he didn't be able to fly around the room. Yeah. That wasn't flying. That was falling with style. Which is something I say often when I, I, something doesn't work out. It doesn't like people are so enamored. I'm like, that's, that wasn't a three pointer. That was falling with style. Uh, and such a good, it's such is one of the more memorable lines of the movie. Yeah. And like, but this, it's so funny. This is the end of the first act right here where, Woody says, like, no, I'm still Andy's favorite toy. And that's the one thing about this movie. It is short. It's an hour and 20 minutes. Yeah, it cooks. And I'm like, okay. And, like, I like to break down stories. Like, I like to watch the time codes on the movies to see when the first act ends and when the second act begins, so on and so forth. Yeah. <laughs> it was so funny. Like, I, was, I did it for when I was watching Interstellar. Oh, boy. And because um, it's, like, nearly a three-hour movie. Yeah. <laughs> it is literally – and I, I pull up the display when I was watching when they – go through the wormhole at the very beginning or like the end of the first act. It was literally chapter seven out of 21. I'm like, well, I found the end of act one right there because 27 is, is divisible. Uh, 21 is divisible by seven by three right there. And mm-hmm. I'm just like, wow, 50 minutes and we ended the first act. But I still like Interstellar. Don't, don't worry, folks. We're, I haven't we're, seen it, but. it. It is. That's something like 
you try want to watch on the biggest screen possible with the best sound system, like so many later Nolan films, because they're pushing the medium so far. Right. And so then with Toy Story, we go into speaking of space stuff. We have a uh, the space stuff taking over. Right, which is. Possibly one of my favorite sequences in this movie. Yeah, because the whole montage of Woody's world being eroded by Buzz Lightyear Buzz, stuff. Yeah, everything's turning Buzz. Oh, like everything's Buzz Lightyear. All the cowboy stuff is being put up, being put away or covered up. And Buzz, he's literally standing. And he has a Buzz for Buzz. Yeah, he's literally standing on a comforter of Buzz Lightyear, so he can't like he can't even get away from the guy. No, and the, that's when strange things are happening made yeah. by Randy Newman plays. Perfect for that whole sequence. Oh, yeah. And at the very end of it, you feel really bad for Woody. Because, okay, the sequence of him staring at Andy in the toy ch- from the toy chest and then like kind of like slowly closing the toy because chest. Because Andy's like, putting his toys away before bed and like, I don't know, did I put my toys away that often? I'm like, I don't think I did. He was a very good kid. Yeah. <laughs> and he had a chance to sleep with one toy that night and he's between Woody and Buzz and he uses Buzz. And like, and I love how the glow in the dark, uh, Buzz Lightyear stuff is already working right there. Yeah. And so then, Woody was in the toy chest overnight, and it's like, oh no. Hey, you, you, one thing, one of the best things that this movie got right was the visual emotions that you got, the visual dialogue. Oh yeah, it's totally, it's very visually oriented because you think of, especially the early shorts from Pixar, where it's just like, no dialogue. It's no dialogue, and it's told visually, but it's like a lot of static cameras and the characters move throughout yeah but here we have a lot of dynamic camera moves from the very start here and it's told in a visual way that's the reason why i looked up like was brad bird part of this because brad bird was the create when the creative consultants on the simpsons for years okay. and like there is a great uh pdf you can find out there like brad bird's um guide to storyboarding okay and it's how he would make dynamic uh camera moves and dynamic framing in animation right and like how to like okay how we can work with perspective and how we should go lower we should go with like make it seem bigger like with wider like if you can use a wider lens there right and how to make it things more dynamic staging here right but do you think some of the shots uh were if it wasn't brad bird it was people from disney helping out because a lot of the disney 2d animation had very dynamic shots i mean even at that point the most dynamic and gorgeous shot probably was from beauty and the beast with the ballroom dance yeah and because I, I think the they had worked on here in like um small parts like i think one of the directors from pocahontas was was part of this for a little bit and i think mm-hmm. um one of the directors from beauty bees like helped or at least were involved in the creation of this for um somehow right um while they were still doing their own projects at Disney, it, it's just so curious how Disney was going through their last 2D renaissance here. Right. Unbeknownst to them that the future was coming in Toy Story with Pixar. Right. I don't know. I just, I just find that kind of weird. It's the same thing. Like, I, I have so much love and reverence for... Jurassic Park and Terminator 2. What's the line for, that the uh, animator in Jurassic Park said? We're out of job. Don't you mean extinct? <laughs> and that's the thing that Phil Tippett said when they decided not to go with go motion dinosaurs and with CGI primarily. Yeah. And I love so how... So relevant in this case, too. Somebody, I saw a meme recently where somebody took like the still from the credits where it was like uh, dinosaur supervisor Phil Tippett and it's all the people reacting like you had one job Phil like people died on your watch like how could you do this 
Somebody sent that to Phil Tippett on Twitter, and he responded, to be fair, it was a lot of dinosaurs. They got out of hand. <laughs> <laughs> and without Phil Tippett, you would not have the ad-ass from Empire Strikes. Like, you would not have Robocop the way it is right. because of his stop-motion animation. Anyway, with uh, certain robots and animals and monsters, we have back with Toy Story where Woody emerges from the toy chest and he's missing his hat. Hey, has anyone seen my hat? And the squeaky shark, shark pops up. Hey, I'm Woody. Howdy, howdy, howdy. 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 Uh-huh. 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 Give that. He yanks the hat off. <laughs> <laughs> one of my favorite. Like, it's so short, but it's so awesome. Another thing my sister and I will send that image back and forth to each other when like, we can't find something. Like, yeah. well, have you seen this? Oh, hi, I'm Woody. Howdy, howdy, howdy. <laughs> howdy, howdy. <laughs> it is... Uh, I just, it, it's such a small moment, but what were you going to say? Just... I think everyone had a squeaky shark toy growing oh, up. They, everyone. Must have. Yeah. One of the things I learned about this movie was that uh, in consideration for what toys got in, besides Woody and Buzz, um, the toys had to be timeless. They had to be had to have, like been like two generations old at at the very minimum. Right. With the exception of the Slinky, uh, slinky Dog, mm-hmm. which was out of date by that time. Yeah. It was an older toy. <clears throat> but all the toys, like... Oh, I had that toy, or I knew someone who had that toy. Everyone had a speaking spell. Everyone had an Etch-a-Sketch. Everyone had a Mr. Potato Head. Yeah. Like, everyone had these toys, which was so, made it so relatable. They didn't, they're not highlighted that well, but they had, like, the little, like, people, like, little round people that you stick in. Like, like the egg-shaped people. Yeah. yeah. So everyone had those toys. I had those up. as a kid. Yeah. I had so much of those, and I'm like, I was trying to think of what the hell those things were. <sighs> I know they're play school. They are play school. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's I mean, right. Everyone had a barrel of monkeys. Everyone, every, everyone had. <laughs> we need more monkeys. <laughs> we need more monkeys. There aren't any more. Not the whole barrel. <laughs> Another thing, my sister is, and I will say when <clears throat> something goes completely wrong and we can't do anything about it, like that's the whole barrel. <laughs> <laughs> but the toys themselves were so good. Um, the robot toy was a little like, I'm not sure. Um, he was a cool addition to it, but yeah. I don't know anyone. Or like a toy it. snake and everything. Like yeah. I know our mutual friend probably didn't have a, a toy snake when she was growing up. Oh or maybe God. she did. That's maybe why. It, she, that's why. She, she, she that's why Nikki's afraid of snakes. Nikki, we miss you. <laughs> snakes. Why does it have to be snakes? Yeah, that's her. Asps. Very Babies. dangerous. You, you go first. That's <laughs> <laughs> <my> movie. <laughs> <laughs> I call it a mine. Oh, mine. Now I'm just going for the Johnny Davies there. Is it a mine? It's a tomb. <laughs> Stay tuned for Lord of the Rings podcast coming soon. Which yeah. I will be on. Yes. Anyway, you, back to you, Yeah, you, Justin, and I would be talking about that. Back and, to Toy Story. <laughs> yeah, and then Buzz is like saying, like, I'm part of the, the group here because your, Andy wrote his name. chief has labeled me <laughs> and that's when andy's like oh no because he has his name on there but it's old and faded yeah actually one thing i didn't notice was the um you could definitely tell that the age besides the fadedness mm-hmm. but they the way they spelled andy on uh woody's foot mm-hmm. was very like very childlike so yeah you could tell how old he is just by that like the a like the lettering is all different sizes the n is backwards mm-hmm. and then Buzz's foot is more. Hey, this kid actually knows how to write now. Yeah, I 
I didn't pick that up until last night. I thought that was a really great way to show the age of Woody. Right. And this is when Woody can't, has had enough with And confronts Buzz here. And this is when Woody realizes, oh, Buzz thinks he's the real toy. He's not just kayfabing them and everything. He no. legit thinks he's Buzz Lightyear. You really are the you really think you are the Buzz Lightyear? Oh, I thought the whole time was an act. Hey, guys, look. It's the real Buzz Lightyear. You're mocking me, aren't you? No, 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 no. no, no. Oh, Buzz, look at Alien. Where? Ah! <laughs> <laughs> but in Woody's laughter, we hear another laughter coming from outside, and it oh. is Sid. Oh, no. It's Sid. Sid Phillips, the... What's he doing home? They must have. They must, they must have kicked him out of summer, summer camp early. Yeah, <laughs> and we find out this kid Sid here likes to torture toys by blowing them up. You mean that happy child? No, that ain't no happy child. He tortures toys for fun. <laughs> <laughs> And he will get another dinosaur. A mean one. I don't think I can take that kind of rejection. <laughs> oh. What's that soldier doing strapped to an explosive? Because that's Sid. As, as they look through the binoculars of Lenny to find out what's going on, is that Sid and his dog are yelling, uh, fighting this combat Carl, which apparently they wanted a G.I. Joe. Yeah, and G.I. Joe said no. Who's that, Hasbro? Yeah. Hasbro was like, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame them. No, I, no, 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 I don't blame them either. But like, it is <sighs> hindsight is twenty twenty. Yeah, that, that's all. I'll say that's a lot of things we'll be going through this series going forward. Yeah, um, especially later on. I'm guessing all the GI uh, GI Joe toys are Commando Carl that are rising up from the mud with like dismemberment and nails sticking out of them. <laughs> would probably not would have. Not have flu with Hasbro as well. No, probably not. Because what happens is that Sid lights an M80 that's that's attached to this uh, combat Carl and blows him up. Now, two of the creators on the movie don't think of Sid as a villain, but as a person who's like a artist that's like trying to get his kind of creativity out here. Is it a little misguided? Yes, but we kind of find out that this this family life is not that great. I mean, they never explicitly, explicitly say it. But you can tell it's not a healthy family situation. No. I mean, like, I'm kind of jumped to it like right now, but like it seems like the father is like passed out drunk earlier in the afternoon. I Everything from, that you needed to know about the dad came from Scud the dog. Why do you say that? Buzz ran was run, running away from Scud mm. and goes into the room where the dad's passed out. Mm. Scud goes in and backs off slowly. Yeah. The dad is not a good person. No. And the mom seems to be doesn't just I guess just not bothered with the kids. Maybe Hannah. I didn't I think the mom may have maybe the the only thing that she's like the tired I'm trying to do everything here and I, right. like Look, a, we don't even see her. We just no. hear her voice. No, but it's not like every time we do hear her, it's not like she's always that, occupied with something else though. Yeah, like Ted, your waffles are wet ready. All right. <laughs> Um, now, I don't think, like, I think it would be different if Sid was blowing up these toys in a field somewhere away from residential buildings. No, he's doing it in the backyard! <laughs> no, that's, that's the real dangerous part here. Yeah. I mean, 
We've all, like, set little fires and take magnifying glasses to toys and everything, right? I didn't have a magnifying glass growing up. You did or didn't? Did not. Hmm. I wanted to burn things with it, but... It was in the box with uh, the rope bank on. Yeah, probably. Thanks for reminding me. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> Jaws of trauma? Goose kid. Yeah, but, like, the kid literally straps a bomb to the back he of a toy. He literally straps an M82. They make it so... Vicious, like oh, the, the, the camera shakes. I mean, there's parts that hit Andy's window. Yeah, p- body parts of this combat car. Yeah. I mean, because like, well, and that maybe is a quarter stick of dynamite. Yeah, and so sitting up a piece of dynamite in this backyard, it is. I, I do not blame them wanting to move there. <laughs> yeah, I don't blame them either. And so afterwards, we um, we kind of transition to, I guess, like a day later or so. And I love how it's like. Virtual Realty is the name of the realty company right there. And I'm mm-hmm. like, because uh, like it's like it smells like a virtual reality space there and everything. And it's just, it's just 3D animation. I get it. <laughs> I don't know what I was doing with my hands trying to, trying to articulate this. It's like a thing where it looks like this. This is an audio <laughs> vehicle. Uh, I, I mean, like, I, I wonder if we do start recording these for video and putting them on YouTube later, what people would think of them. Oh, boy. It's the reason why I have a face for radio. Yes, yeah, same. And a voice for newspapers. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and so, and words for blind people. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, 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 sorry. I was not expecting that. And so it's, it's late afternoon, early evening, and Andy's mom says, "Hey, I'm getting tired of uh, packing. You want to get some dinner from Pizza Planet?" And Pizza Planet. Like, oh, All right. And like Andy drops Buzz onto Woody right there and runs out of the room. He asks uh, his mom if he can bring one, uh, bring a toy with him. One toy. Yeah, and then Woody's like, oh, what am I going to do here? So he grabs the magic eight ball to ask for some advice. Well, Andy, pick me. Swish, 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 swish. Don't count on it! As he throws the magic eight ball, it rolls down behind the desk, and this is when he gets an idea, like, maybe I can send Buzz down there. Buzz! Buzz Lightyear! Thank goodness! Thank goodness you're here! There's trouble! Trouble? Where? Over there! A toy! A helpless toy is trapped! As he's indicating the edge of the, um... The desk where, where the, the Magic 8-Ball was. Over. And apparently, sidebar, apparently there's a Magic 8-Ball movie in development right now. I don't get how that works. Unless, I mean, it, unless a... it grants magical wishes somehow, I do not know. Actually, my question is, is the eight Magic 8-Ball in Toy Story sentient? <laughs> that has bothered me. Every other toy has a personality. And now that we know Toy Story 4 comes out, even made-up toys like the Spork will have a personality. So, the Magic 8-Ball is technically a child's toy. Was it talking to Woody there? And Woody trapped it behind the desk to be forever left behind. You know that video of Ben Affleck and Henry Cavill doing press for BVS and they put Simon Garfunkel's the, the Sound of Silence in there? <laughs> yeah. That's my mind right now. Like, hello, darkness, my old friend. Me trying to co- to grapple with the existential dread here that you've thrusted upon me here. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't know. It's, a, it's technically a toy. It is. Shit. Yeah, yeah I, I think you might be right there. It might be, it might be sentient. And so... Um, Woody grabs a hold of the controller for the the RC car, 
Which makes Buzz is distracted trying to find what the toy that's missing. Yeah, and uses uh, RC to try and knock him down there. But he evades RC, and RC is the kind of lassie of the group here, where everybody can understand it, but even though he doesn't really speak. Right. Um, and Buzz dodges RC and knocks into the cork board that's behind him and all the um, pushpins fall. And I love how sound design-wise, they use the dart sounds from Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, the whole sequence was Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, because also the uh, globe gets knocked off its hinges and starts rolling towards him. It's the same sounds as the boulder coming at the yep. ending. And all of this talk at Indiana Jones, I may have to fall asleep to Raiders of the Lost Ark tonight. I hope you're happy. I'm very happy. I know. Um, and then we got the Wilhelm scream in there. Because the globe um, knocks into the the lamp that looks very suspicious like the, the Pixar lamp mm-hmm. and knocks Buzz out the window with the Wilhelm scream. Bam! <laughs> oh, man. I, I, if I get killed in any like kind of big budget movie, I want the Wilhelm scream to me. I want to be part of that history right there. And so Buzz falls into the bushes outside and all the the toys come looking for him and RC like, rats uh, uh, Woody out here that Woody did this on purpose. Yeah, okay, so... The RC car, was it really what Mr. Potato Head said? Or did Mr. Potato Head just dramatize it more? Because RC's trying to communicate, but his front grill always looks like a smile. Yeah. So I always interpret it as he's trying to say, like, okay, Woody did this, but he didn't mean it. Like, I don't know if it meant. I, I th- well, because. There was an unfortunate sequence of events that knocked Buzz out the window. Which it was. Mr. Potato likes to stir up. Yeah, he's drama. Like, yes, so that's my thought, Mr. Potato Head. I, I think he did. He definitely did exaggerate. I, I will concede that, and it's only and it's just mob mentality that causes yeah. everybody to turn well, against. At them. that point, everyone knew that Wo- Woody has an issues with had issues with Buzz, and this out of the past. I don't know. It's actually just a week. Holy crap! It just occurred yeah. to me. It's just a week. It's been one week since you looked at me. But no, but seriously, think about it. The, the birthday was moved up one week. When did they move? Like two days later. So it's like maybe five days later. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, well, mine just blown there. <laughs> you with the eight ball, me with the time, time frame. Why would he decorate his room with all Buzz Lightyear stuff if he's going to take it down and move it? Anyway. Maybe it was more stuff that um, Andy's mom got him. Maybe. Prob- pot. Yeah, no, that makes more sense. Um, anyway. Yeah, but then again, like if I was his mom, like, don't put that stuff up because you're going to have to end up taking it down again. Yeah, exactly. I- I'll concede that fact. But, um... But yeah, so the, Woody ha- now has this re- uh, like, reputation around Buzz that he doesn't like him. So when Mr. Potato Head starts stirring the pot, saying, like, you knocked him out the window, everyone was so, like was like, yeah, I believe that. Yeah. Except for uh, Bo Peep and Slinky. Yeah. And Slinky tries to look for solace in um, Rex, and Rex is like, uh, I, don't I don't like... I don't like conf- confrontations. And this is when Sarge pops up, and he... <laughs> you dirty... You he calls, dirt, the- calls him a dirtbag, and I, I think it was the first time I ever heard that in a movie before, and I'm like, it's just like, I just want, I want that redubbed with his full metal jacket lines. Like, like holy fucking shit! You're an absolute disgrace! Sucking dicks. No, sir. Bullshit. I bet you can suck a ball through a garden hose. Oh, man. I just want to redub all of his lines with full metal jacket. Let me see your war face. Ah, that's a war face. 
That's another thing. My friend Larry and I will we'll quote that. Oh, we'll quote that to the day we die right there. Yeah. That's for sure. And so um, everybody tries to pretty much try to lynch uh, Woody here. Yeah. Even to the point that they actually just get tie him up by his tie him up by, by his, his pull, yeah pull string. Yeah, it's like whoa. And even Etch-a-Sketch makes a hangman's news for him at one point. <laughs> and Mr. Potato points them after Andy comes back in the room. It's like this is waiting for you. And he comes in to grab Buzz. Buzz is not there, so he grabs Woody begrudgingly. Yeah, begrudgingly. And they get into the van. That's when Buzz appears from the bushes and goes after him and hops back in the van. Yeah. So, the plastic look to this movie mm-hmm. does not get any more plasticky than Buzz coming out of those bushes. Because it's... I, I thought it was Andy's mom, but I think, like, the, the reason why they didn't show adults that much. I think that's what... I think that was, like... The weakest animation here. Yeah, but no, I just those the leaves on the bushes look very yeah. plasticky, like yeah, almost look, like fake. Like like you would say if you want to get fake plants to put on your table or something like yeah, that. Like the fake plant in the hallway that the toy soldiers had hid out. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I I would not be surprised if it's the same assets from that that uh, bush that they hide in. It, it could very well be with just darker color tones. It, it um, and so the toys in the room try to rescue Buzz with the barrel monkeys, <laughs> to, to, <laughs> to no avail. Uh, it's too short. We need more monkeys. There aren't any more. That's the whole barrel. <laughs> come on, come on, come on. <laughs> Buzz, stay calm. Oh, We're wow. formulating another plan. God, we what? Last night was the first time in years I saw this movie, and I could still quote it. It It just came right back to you. And so we get to the gas station where the genesis of the story came from. Um, Andy's mom and Andy get out of the van as like they go pay for gas and everything. That's when Buzz reappears to confront Woody here with the with the just now dirty from the road and the the mosquito on his head is dead, stuck to it. And like Woody's like, "Hey, buddy, you're okay." And you'll find you. We're going to go back, and you can tell everyone that this is just a big mistake, right? Right, buddy. Even though you tried to terminate me, revenge is a thing I don't believe in my planet. Oh, well, good. But we're not on my planet. Are we? Uh, no. <laughs> they, they, at least they, they start a wrestling match that goes out the van and underneath the van, and they start um, throwing haymakers at each other. Yeah. And I, I love where Buzz throws a punch, and Woody's head spins around exorcist style. Yeah. Actually, when he stops his head, his eyes are still, still rattling around. around for a moment there, which I thought was great. Um, he we tackles Buzz and opens up his uh, lid. Yeah, <laughs> and, and I love Buzz closing the lid on his hand. Yeah. And Buzz, and then Woody starts banging on his chest, and it's, it's the Buzz, 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 like the rest of you. <laughs> but in this scuffle that's going on, Andy and his mom leave. Yeah, <gasps> I'm lost. I'm, I'm a lost toy. toy. And buzzes. Buzzes thinks this isn't the part of his uh, journey to get back to the gamma section. Yeah. Um, but this is when they have it out where like Woody tries to employ him, like, "No, you are not the Buzz Lightyear. You are just a toy." Yeah. <laughs> you are a toy. You're not the real Buzz Lightyear. No, you're an action figure. You're a child's plaything. You are a sad, strange little man. Yeah, my pity. pity. <laughs> Farewell. 
But I love when Buzz is trying to convince him of that, like, if he's trying to stop the evil plan Zerk, which he pretty much has the data plans to the Death Star, apparently. Yeah. Um, Buzz looks up to the skyline, he looks up at the moon, and we cut to a close-up of Buzz, and we see the reflection of the constellations in his helmet right there. Yeah. I always love that moment there. But, so then Buzz goes off, and is like, going to leave him. That's when Pizza Plan Delivery Dude shows up with, like, the most stereotypical kind of, like, broish stuff. Hey, man, I got some pizzas in the car. I need to go. <laughs> so Woody convinces him, like, hey, this spaceship, spaceship will, Buzz? will get us back to where we need to go. Mm-hmm. However, Buzz goes up to sit in the seat next to the pizzas. Woody hides in the, the back of this, like, I guess, beat-up Toyota, like, pickup, pickup truck. truck. Yeah. Comedy ensues. Oh my god! Because this the, the devil behind the wheel of this truck right yeah. here, as Woody's slants around the back of the bed of this truck, culminating with him being smushed by a uh, toolbox. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! It, actually, um, when they get to pizza, finally get to Pizza Planet, and like the driver gets out, and then Buzz unbuckles himself, sees the the rocket that's ready to launch, and everything, and hops. Goes to like the the dividing glass to talk to Woody. It's like, like your plan worked. We're here, but there's guards up against the door. Yeah, I am plan. And Woody then collapses and comes up with a inside of a soda cup, and he's like, "I like your thinking, Woody." And was like, "What?" <laughs> but that's the. I correct me if I'm wrong. That's the only time he, Buzz ever called Woody Woody. Because I think he just he called him Sheriff. He calls him Sheriff, but he's never called him just Woody. Yeah. in that movie. Up until that, I think not until it, it just, not until the third act. It just sticks out so vividly. Good idea, Woody. Yeah, I like, like your thinking. Yeah, I could see that as an ad lib, but they just kind of let that fly. They probably did. And I, this is one of the things I did. Um, I'm trying to think of uh, because I did play the video. I did play the video game for this for the Super Nintendo. Okay, and this was a mission to. Have the cup and because Woody hides in a cup and Buzz, Buzz hides in a burger uh, clamshell. clamshell. And this was a level of the game where you had to sneak through Pizza Planet with that the cup and uh, and clamshell over you okay. and try not to be seen. And it, it was pretty tough. I think that's as far as I got in the game. I don't think I've ever beat it. But then again, super, super games that era were notoriously I, difficult. I love it when Buzz knocks into Woody and Woody turns to him with a straw and like, "What are you going? Sorry. And, and the clamshell uh, opens <laughs> to articulate him saying sorry. It, I don't know. It is such a, one of those little details. It's like a little gag that makes that scene hold together right there. Yeah. And so they we introduced a pizza planet, which... Way better than Chuck E. Cheese. Oh, my God. It is what Chuck E. Cheese aspires to be. Yeah. And apparently there is one in uh, Disney, Disney World. Yeah, which I didn't know about. No, not until recently. And now it just gives me even more reason to go back to Disney World. Mm, yeah. Like, we really need a reason to see Disney World. Yeah. Mm. I, uh, Do you? <laughs> no. It's been... Exactly. This October will be 10 years. It's longer for me. Yeah, you haven't gone since you were a child. 13. I met Mickey Mouse. Oh. Yeah, I was really happy. But, I mean, if we go now, <laughs> I think we can go to every other attraction because of Galaxy. Um... Oh, yeah, that's good. Well, that, that if you go now, you got to plan on skipping the whole Star Wars thing because it's just going to be packed. The next year. If not two. 
It's kind of like, I don't think Nintendo Land is open in uh, Japan yet, has it? I don't think so. I mean, that's another thing, like, you know, unless you go on day one, you're not going to see it for, like, two years. Yeah, exactly. Um, God damn it. Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah, no, because because friends want me to go down like this October, like I was I was planning to do last year, and I'm just like, yeah, I'm like I want to. It's like oh, I want to meet you guys and everything, like all like the real fans and stuff. Anyway, we see that uh, Andy's walking out with his family. They try and get in there, but um, Buzz sees the rocket that's a claw machine and, and hides in it. Where we have the little green aliens there, an outsider. Ooh. And I love the fact that I tweeted out that gif saying we were going to do this episode, and that's what like everybody flipped out about. Like, oh my god, because yeah. they knew exactly what we're doing here. And your feelings on the little green uh, aliens here? I love them. How can you not love them? Like they're just so naive to what, what actually is going on, and they they praise this the, their god, the claw, the claw. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so great. I I remember as a kid not particularly liking them. I thought they were annoying, mm-hmm. but it's like, what the hell was I thinking as a kid? Mm-hmm. Because they are actually really fun. Yeah, uh, I, spent, I love them in Toy Story two as well. Yeah, um, but yeah, they're awesome. And it's funny because the they're made up of various members of the staff sucking in helium and recording their voices. <laughs> As you do. Yeah. It's a logical step. Obviously. Um, and I love how Sid um, is there as well, and he's playing Wacka Alien right there. Yeah. Which is apparently like a, a nod to Alien because it's a, it's a spacesuit yeah. person with aliens popping out of him. Which is very morbid if you think about it. Oh, yeah. And uh, I got a chance to see Alien on the big screen for the 40th anniversary, like a, a 35 millimeter print of it. Yeah. And there were people in that theater that had never seen it before. Really? And it was so fun to just watch them react to that. I was like, oh, my God. And, like, even I, like, get, like bunched up and Mike was looking at me like, 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 weenie and everything. Like, it's so scary. Yeah. So... Uh, the claw is coming for the little green man. It grabs one, but that's when Sid knows his Buzz Lightyear. Okay. Woody tries to get them out, but yeah. the zealots of the little green man says, "Nope, Buzz is chosen. chosen. You must go. You must go. You Stop must. it! Stop it, you zealots!" <laughs> that's the first time I think I heard that word yeah. in the sentence as well. And so Woody and Buzz end up at Sid's house. Let's go home and play. <laughs> it's like, oh my god. And but- I re- they set up Sid so well that you knew this was bad. And especially the, since they zoomed into his the skull on his chest. Yeah. And it just... Oh, but I realized, okay, wears Converse, black t-shirts with skulls on them, and usually has a shorter haircut. And I'm like... Yeah, but he's not a ginger. No. I guess I have a one-up on him in there? Yeah. Maybe. Or do you have a... Does he have the one-up on you? This is why we have a magic eight ball to ask these kind of questions there and see if they would give me the answer. <laughs> but this is what we're really introduced to Scud, the dog. Yes. And apparently this is like when the animators like train their dog to like have like they would put a treat on their nose and it's like, wait, wait. Yeah. And then go, you can have yeah. it. We and- saw another toy get killed. Yeah. Because that alien does not come back. Yeah, he does. Does he? At the end. Oh yeah, he does. Oh, I'm sorry. But but at that point you're like, oh no. They literally fed this this uh, alien to the dog here. 
buzz and Woody's reaction to it being attacked. Like, it, it, just it, like, it, oh. that, that is the audience right there. It's like, oh my god. But it gets even worse where uh, Sid's sister, uh, Hannah, walks up with one of her dolls. And Sid grabs it and decides to improve it. Yeah. Nobody's ever done a double lobotomy something. Before. Yeah, where he literally puts... He's uh, making words up. Yeah, he puts the doll in the vice grip and removes its head and attaches the... Um, Pterodactyl head to it. To be fair, it's kind of cool looking. But it's totally the pterodactyl toy on its own was cool looking. Yeah, but it's fucked up that it's attached to a little, yeah. a little girl's doll right there. Yeah. Uh, and this is Winston's room, and it's like all like the heavy metal posters and like the the floating head of toys in the lava lamp. Okay, that twist. How did he do that? Did you unscrew the top of a lava? They're lamp? usually like a, like a soda cap. Mm. So how he. And the toy head can't be that big because that cap opening is not that big. No, it's got to be real tiny. So thing. it's like, how did he do that? I mean, <laughs> visually, you get like... What if it was Combat Carl's head with the helmet still on and everything? Oh. <laughs> I mean, it's just fucked. Like, the visuals are were perfectly done for that sequence because this is not a healthy place for toys. No. And it was just like they nailed it at the sequence. And you you felt the dread that Woody and Buzz were feeling. Because like if because Woody tries to get out of there... And he runs into another toy, where it seems like everything's going to be fine. When Woody's using a flashlight to illuminate the bottom of the underneath uh, Sid's bed, but it's attached to a uh, Erectorset spider. Yeah, I mean that's, that's the, the the sound they use for it to stand up, like mm, it was just the, like, the creakiness of it. Yeah. I mean, and I think it's a baby doll head too, yeah, with missing an eye. Yeah, it's creepy. Oh my god, all the, the toys here are creepy. Uh, and they all assemble to the uh, the doll and the pterodactyl that are yeah. on the floor now. And I love the rolling, the guy, the roller one with the Ken doll head. And yeah. He just looks at Woody and just with his one finger just turns, <laughs> turns off, off the, the flashlight. <laughs> and then Woody books it. Yeah, it literally climbs on top of Boz here to, to protect them right there. Yeah, they're cannibals. <gasps> And they hide in Sid's uh, backpack and trying to uh, hopefully evade them and everything. Yeah. Um, Andy returns home, and Woody's gone now. Yeah, can't find him. They think, oh, the coward ran away. And it seems like it's like it just guilt there on his behalf. Yeah. And the following morning, oh, Sid's torturing Woody with a magnifying glass. <laughs> I see that your will is strong. But we have ways to make you talk. And a magnifying glass to burn a hole in it said, Where are your rebel friends now? He's doing his Darth Vader <laughs> right there. Yeah, and now you, you, you'll tell us about the rebel base. Sid, <laughs> you're waffles already. All right. It runs, drops him and runs away. And then we just see Woody smoldering. like Pops up the dead. frame <laughs> and, and buries his head into a bowl of Fruit Loops. Yeah, which, how does he have waffles if he has a bowl of Fruit Loops? There? I think that's. Like several days old. Ew. Yeah. Ew. Yeah. Those Fruit Loops wouldn't be hard. They would just be a soft mess. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. And I love when Buzz pulls them out of the bowl and the Fruit Loops are covering Woody's eyes yeah. there, <laughs> <laughs> looking at the spoon and say, "Hope oh, this is impermanent." And so they try to escape the room. And yeah, the doors open. Doors open. Um. But the toys were like, no, do not go out there. Yeah. 
uh, however, Buzz uses the cry chop action. Well, Woody uses Buzz's cry chop action. How are you doing that? <laughs> Via a button of his back, and Buzz is not control of it and everything, and pushes the toys away. Woody tries to escape through the front door, but Scud is there, sleeping. Yes. And so they're like, all right, we have to try and get across the house somehow and try to get out of here. Buzz runs across. Everything's fine. Woody tries to crawl, crawls across, but gets his pull string caught on one of the banister's hooks. Yeah. Which then, obviously, it's the loudest, his loudest audio with the, with, the, with the complete with that yeah <laughs> waking scud here yeah. and then like i love how they use the t-rex some of the t-rex noises from jurassic park yeah. there because of course it's probably mixed the skywalker sound definitely i mean uh, it is like that's there's a goal to have something mixed with skywalker sound there, right there <laughs> and ilm to you <laughs> you had to do the george lucas chuckle there technically i'm of uh, Toy Story history. <laughs> <laughs> and so the two of them split up, and Buzz hides in the living room. Or I guess you would call it the living room? I don't know what that was. It's on the second floor. Or TV floor. room. It's on the second floor, so it might be uh, like the dad's like den. Yeah. And that's when we the have like, the, the dad's passed out in the middle of the day, and Scott knows not to go in there. Yeah. But this is when Buzz has his world broken. Yeah, because he just happens to get in there to see a Buzz Lightyear toy commercial. And, like, everything he's seeing is, like, clicking in his head, like, I am a toy. Oh, my God, my existence is... With Pendulet B, the voice yeah. of the most extreme! The most extreme superhero toy! Yeah. And I love how they emphasize not a flying toy at the not end. A flying toy. But that commercial is so reminiscent to 90s toys commercials. Oh, my God, yeah. I they mean, nailed it. I re- recently rewatched a lot of the Batman Forever toy commercials in preparation for that review that I did last. Yeah. And, of course, like so many toy commercials, it's toys punching through blocks. Yeah, of course. And falling through water and everything. It, it, it is such a great satire of 90s uh, marketing that was going on there. Yeah. It's a secret mission from our char- in our chartered space. It's a secret mission in our chartered space. And Buzz is like, oh, no. And I realized upon this viewing here, Buzz goes through the seven stages of grief. Yeah. Throughout this movie, throughout this section, up until the third act. Like this back half of the second act here, yep. where he goes like, I can't believe this, to no, denial. Mm-hmm. Because this is when we have the third Randy Newman song here. I forget the... Um, uh, Won't Go Sailing. Won't Go Sailing. As... Buzz climbs to the top of the banister and tries to fly out the open window. Right. Does not get far. Not a flying toy. And he crashes and arm breaks off. And uh, it's just the crooning of, like, Randy it's, Newman there, just like, oh, my God. No, it can't be true. I can fly if I want to. <laughs> <laughs> and Hannah finds the... Okay, I, I I just realized this now. If Buzz thinks he's a toy, mm-hmm. why does he freeze? That was another question I always wondered. Like in this last viewing, it's like if he didn't, if he honestly didn't think he was a toy, he would probably still interact and everything like that. Yeah. And from what it seems like, it's a choice to freeze. 
Like there was unless no, it's just instinctual. It might, maybe it's instinctual. I don't know because the fact that he is a toy. Yeah, but there are. It. But I mean, later, Woody would say, "Oh, we have to break some rules when they're going to teach Sid a lesson." Yeah, which there's a set of uh, there apparently is a set of rules that toys spoken rules amongst toys. Yeah, so I don't know why Buzz freezes around people. Yeah, it, it's just something that I realized. Here. I'm like, why does he freeze? Mm-mm. I don't know. And so um, Woody emerges from the closet that he was hiding in um, with uh, Christmas lights around him. Right. And I love that little moment when he falls out of the closet, the bowling ball crushes his head for a moment. <laughs> and, like, and he ends up being drunk for like a little moment. Like, Buzz, the clothes is clear. Shakes it off. And we find out that Buzz is now Mrs. Nesbitt, mm-hmm. Nesbitt, who's having tea time with Hannah and her decapitated toys. Yes. Woody distracts her to get her out of the room. Woody then tries to get Buzz out of there, but Buzz had a little bit of a breakdown here. Yeah, he's uh, he went on a bender. Yeah. It's gone! It's all gone! <laughs> well, me defend the whole galaxy, and suddenly you're sucking down Darjeeling with Marie Antoinette and her little sister, which I did not get for years. Because they're both decapitated. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, oh my god, that is such a dark joke. <laughs> like like how they, they like wave. politely wave. It's like Like uh, royalty they wave and I, everything. I feel so bad for Hannah because of all her toys are just ruined because yeah. Sid has issues. Yeah. Yeah. And then Woody's just like, Alright, I think you have enough to uh, tea for us today. Let's get out of here, Buzz. Don't you don't you get? Don't you see the hat? I misses. Nesbit, <laughs> Stop out of it, Buzz! It slaps him with his own arm. And apparently that's a gag that was rejected from Commando that Arnold wanted to rip off a man's arm and then beat him with it. And so they decided to use that here. Oh my god. And I love it that they did... How was that rejected in Commando when they got away with other such other silly... No, because I think they're... Because that movie's like a hard 90 minutes. They, I bet you there's stuff that was cut out for... Yeah. Like not, so they didn't get like an NC or an X rating at the time. Yeah. Because he does shave off a part of a dude's skull with a buzzsaw that he throws. <sighs> everything. And he chops off a man's arm with a machete and throws axes into them and lets off some steam Bennett. So, <laughs> him beating another man, being a man to death with his own arm, is not at the realm of possibilities there. No, it almost sounds more tame than hucking a buzzsaw, cutting out the guy, part of a guy's head. <laughs> that must have been a strong throw. Like, literally, just like a, a third of his head is gone That's there. so silly. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to try to get down to the, the logic of uh, Commando. And so, in Buzz's drunken ramblings, he met, said that he couldn't even fly out the window, which then brainwave Woody's like, out the window, Buzz, you're a genius! And that's when he drags Buzz back to Sid's room, and in Andy's house, the, where we have Ham and Mr. Potato playing Battleship, and... Strip Battleship. Strip Battleship, <laughs> and Mr. Potato is losing because he, idiot, put all of his stuff in one corner. And also, I I also do think Ham is cheating there. How's he cheating? Or or that or like he's because there's little outlines on Mister Potato Head's side of a battleship where the ship should be, and he hasn't got to it either. Either he's lying about that, or Mister Potato is an idiot. I think Mister Potato Head's an idiot. That's also that's probable. That's more probable yeah. there. So what he tries to convince him to 
bring it back by throwing the Christmas lights over, Slinky catches them, and they're going to, like, I guess, sloth his way over from one house to another. Right. But where's Buzz? Yeah. And he's like, well, you can't go back here without Buzz. That's when Woody turns back to him. Buzz is sitting on the floor of his room and says, hey, Buzz, will you come up here and give me a hand? He tosses up his arm. I'm being serious. This is serious. Woody, what's taking so long? So Woody tries to pantomime with just Buzz's arm, trying to convince him that everything's cool now, that they're friends. Yeah. But it doesn't work. doesn't work. No. And horrifies because they now they think Woody's just dismantled Buzz. <laughs> yeah. Not just kill him. He's mutilated him at this yeah. point. And I love Slinky's face where his like, eyes go oh. really big and then just like... It, it kills me with Slinky like finally giving up on Woody. And yeah. It's like, Slinky! And it's just like... And then he, and that's when the rain comes yeah. in, and like to really nail the point home. But the cannibal toys are attacking Buzz. Yeah, Woody tries to defend him and loses his Buzz's arm in here. Mm-hmm. However, he's fixed. They they, they fixed him, and they fixed the other toys. And I do like the nice added effect here. It's kind of like any other toy when you've like reattached the limb even back in place. It's not as quite tight. Yeah, as it is still, it's very loose in comparison to the other arm. Right. And I'm like, oh my, that that's a nice little attention to detail there. And then we find out the toys are actually pretty cool. They're, they're just they're they're misunderstood. Yeah, you see, this happens when you make rash judgments there. Yeah, Woody, you jerk, you dick. And so Sid comes in with a new package right here. And I realize this: the name of the shipping company is Ill Eagle. <clears throat> <laughs> I didn't catch that. <laughs> I just noticed that this time. I was, I was trying to see if there's new like sight gags throughout the movie here, and we have this giant rocket here that he wants to blow up a toy with. Yeah, where is he getting the money for this shit? He's got to be stealing from his parents. He has to be. Yeah, yeah. And like, I don't think he's the kind of person to go mow lawns. No, definitely not. No. No. Well, uh, maybe, but destroy your lawn in the process, definitely. Mm. Yeah, and like so... Your garden gnome is not making it out of it alive. <laughs> Neither is your pink flamingo. Nope. Just, I'm just seeing the pink flamingo being chopped up by a lawnmower now, and it's horrifying. Sid tries to look for Woody to no avail, because he's hiding in the bottom of a milk crate. Yeah. But finds Buzz and tapes him to the rocket. But the thunder and lightning storm keeps him from being able to set him off that day. So yeah. he's, tomorrow morning he's going to... Yeah. And he passes out with his ass in the air. I want to run the pony. Face down, ass up. <laughs> <laughs> um, I even love, like, on the one of the posters where it's supposed to be like a metal band, but it's called Megadork. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, eh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And Andy's kind of concerned that he doesn't know where Andy, doesn't know where Woody and Buzz is and tomorrow's the day they're going to move. Yeah, his mom's doing her best to reassure him that they'll turn up and everything. Mhm. All that. And then we have a really awesome moment where the two main leads reach their arc. Yeah, they re- they kind of reconcile here and like Buzz realizes like why would Andy want to play with me? I'm just a look at you. You're 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 cool. You're cool. You're cool. You're an- Buzz Lightyear doll. You can do this, you can do this, and it's like, actually, you're too cool. You're too cool. Like, why would anybody want me if he could have you? Yeah. I should be the one strapped that rocket, so they both reach their arcs at the same time there, yeah. and they reconcile. But it's such a great 
great scene, great dialogue, and the pacing is awesome in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's so good. It's such a good movie. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when like, Buzz realizes, all right, well, now he knows what he has to do. And he tries to Realizes get... as the sun rises and the rain stops. Mm-hmm. And so they plan to escape here. However, when they're doing this, they accidentally almost wake Sid. Yeah, Woody, by the way, is trapped underneath a milk crate with a toolbox on top, so he, so he can't get out. So he needs Buzz's help. So Buzz pushes the toolbox and moves the milk crate off the dresser here. Yeah. However, he keeps pushing yeah. and cr- <laughs> crushes Woody. <laughs> it's cartoon logic. It's animation logic of why these toys can take so much damage and survive. Yeah. Knowing how old Woody is in the sequel as well. Yeah. But Sid's alarm goes off, realizes the following morning, and decides to, now he's going to launch Buzz into the stratosphere. Yep. But now, Woody teams up with the toys here, and he needs their help. He apologizes, like, I he's the only friend I got, and I have to save him. So the cannibal toys come out, and it's like, all right, we have to break a few rules, but if it works, it'll be worth it. Right. However, Andy's packing up. All the stuff is here, and he's getting packed up and everything. And mm-hmm. It's like, oh, God. That yeah. is the... Yeah, Andy's standing there with his cowboy hat in one hand and the Buzz Lightyear box ship in the other hand. And you're like, oh. It's rough. It is rough, because you know that feeling when you lose your favorite toy. You're like, oh, no. What was your favorite toy growing up? I mean, my favorite toy, ultimately, was my stuffed animal. Uh, I had a stuffed animal dog named Fritzy. Oh. Yeah. I, I had a... Um... He's big enough that I didn't take him everywhere with mm-hmm. me, so it was hard to lose him. But there was other toys that I know that I absolutely loved. Um, actually, one of my favorite toys, <laughs> complete sidetrack, is yeah. um, they had... Star Wars had this line of, like, espionage Star Wars characters. Mm-hmm. And I had a, it was like, it was essentially Luke Skywalker in a red um, Imperial Guard outfit. Right. I didn't know what the fuck it was, so I just made him evil clone Luke and called him Red Vader. (laughs) And he had a removable helmet and a cape, and he was awesome. (laughs) That was, I think, my favorite action figure of all time. I had a... I still have it. It's actually... The toy chest is actually in the shed now and everything. There's still toys in there, and there is a Buzz Lightyear, and there's a Zerg in there, like a... I never ha- I never had these toys, the, the the Woody or the Buzz. I have no idea why we never got them. I think they were just way too expensive. They were very expensive. Yeah. And the Zerg toy would go off in the middle of the night. <laughs> and it was just like... It was... Freaking demonic. I'll get into that more in the next episode. But I had this giant, like, stuffed bunny. was, like, the size of me. Yeah. That, uh, that was, like, my favorite toy. I wouldn't go anywhere without it. I mean, like, like, I was... It was kind of like like the gift from... That moment from um, Despicable Me when wins the, the little girl wins the... Um, oh, the unicorn? It's yeah. So it, it's pretty much like that. Where it's, like, she's trying to hold us up. It's this bigger than her. Like, yeah. that's what it was for the longest yeah. time with me with this bunny. Speaking of Zero going off in the middle of the night, it totally reminds me of that Dennis Leary skit with uh, Darth Vader coin bang and just in the middle of the night. Use the force loop. Flipping off the toy in the middle of the night. Shut up, shut And he tried to get the money out of it. It's like, ha ha, I tried to get my money out of it. You can't do that. So, but, yeah, you really connect with Andy in this loss. Like, he's... He's almost given up on ever finding him again. Right. And then now 
we have hijinks ensue that we have to distract Scud with the doorbell ringing, and it becomes like it becomes like a almost like a mini heist right there. Yeah, with all the toys working in unison to try and get everything out. Scud goes to the front door, ends up getting locked out because mm-hmm. they trick him out there. And I love it when Hannah, so the stupid dog, slams the door in its face and. Scud's not looking. Yeah, he walks right into and the like, door. And his head just, like, turns sideways. Like, like you put a bone cracker underneath it. Like, oh, that dog's dead. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 oh, hey, I love I love dogs. Uh, I kind of feel bad for Scud, even though I know Scud is not a... He's poorly trained. It's it's the upbringing. It's the same reason why Sid is the way he is. Yeah. So. And I love how, like, all the toys are, like, on the um, um, skateboard or with the... Um, the fighter pilot and yeah, everything. Which I thought would be a really awesome toy. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh, that sounds like so much fun. Like, he just... I, I kind of want to... If they have sell that, strap a GoPro to him and have him uh, make adventures out of him. Yeah. And so... Actually, quick question. Who's your favorite of the uh, mutant toys? I, I do like uh, legs like the like the Barbie legs with the um, the fishing rod. The fishing rod. I, she is my favorite because I don't know why it's just like, it, it, but but also with Ducky the the Pez dispenser with the um, chest of it's a, like a wrestler's bot chest. Yeah, yeah. Um, but also, it's kind of hard not to find the iconic like the baby head. Um, yeah, because that baby head was obviously the ringleader. Yeah. Yeah, the same position that Woody was in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I'm still just chuckling at the Ken doll with the noisemaker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, what was creepy was the jack-in-the-box, the fucking hand. Oh, with the, like, the thing hand. Yeah, it was just crawling across. That was creepy. That, that is legit <laughs> creepy right there. That's for damn sure. <laughs> and so they end up making their way outside, and that, that Sid's... Constructed this apparatus here. Yeah. He's made a launch pad. Yeah. Um, complete, and so they like Woody gets Buzz's um, attention. Like, don't worry, everything's under control. And plays plays possum right here, right in the open. And then his he starts speaking. However, it's all of his pre-recorded dialogue, pre-recorded without the string being pulled. So and Sid's starting to freak out. Sid's like, "Oh, it's just busted. Who are you calling, calling busted, Buster? Buster? I would shit a brick." Yeah, and then like Sid Phillips, <laughs> and it says your name, and that's when all the toys come to life, zombie-like. Yeah, starting with one of the dolls coming out of the sandbox, screaming "Mama!" Yeah, and all the, the GI Joes coming out of the mud, like the, the um, Tonka truck coming out of the sand. Yeah. Oh. It's horrifying. It is horrifying here. It is a zombie apocalypse. And then Woody, like, is slowing his dialogue and spinning his head slowly. And then it's like, so play nice. Ah, that kid's in there before the rest of his life. And I love when he runs inside. And he's like, the toys are locked. The nice toys. And Hannah decides to get a little bit of revenge by... shoves the toy at him and he freaks out. <laughs> What's wrong? Do you want to play with Sally doll? And he probably has a conniption and hides under his bed. Yeah. And so, like, Woody's able to get him off the platform, and Buzz thanks him. However, Andy and the moving crew are leaving. Yeah, so they got Book It. Uh, thanks, thanks, Buzz! And just leaves him behind. I kind of wonder what happens to him. It's kind of like the the fish at the end of Finding Nemo after they get out of the tank. Oh, yeah. <laughs> They're like, floating in the uh, the plastic the bay. Plate. They're like, 
So what now? now so what now? <laughs> so I just don't know what their adventure is like there. Um, and so they try and go after the moving truck, and they were able to catch up to it. However, Scud's in pursuit. Yes. And this kicks off the, the final set piece here. And your feelings on this giant action climax, climax here. I enjoyed it tremendously. <laughs> I, I enjoyed it tremendously. I loved it as a kid. I love it as an adult. My biggest question mark is the moving van didn't feel the door open. The, they didn't feel that scraping in the ground. The metal, um, metal oh, step. Oh, the uh, the platform. There. Yeah, they, that dragon behind them. Yeah, that truck is total. That truck is totally screwed from that point on. Mm-hmm. I would hope they would stop. And you would think that a car, like several cars behind that, would start beeping their horns, saying it's down, or just drive up, and it's like, down, yeah, down, and then the truck would be like, oh, well, how did Whoops. that happen? Yeah, but it, you know the stakes. Yeah, catch the truck or be left behind. <sighs> And it's something I noticed on this viewing. It all takes place from one perspective. It stays from one side of the toys. Right. We only see one side of the street. It's kind of like why the chase, the montage in, like I, I always bring up, the bike chase in Terminator 2. Mm-hmm. We see it from John's front, John's left, and behind John. Right. It's only those three sides. It's the same thing with Saving Private Ryan. When they, when they get off the, the U-boats, we see it from behind Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks is right. And Tom Hanks in front of him. We have that 180-degree rule, and they maintain that axis despite how fast the cutting is or how chaotic it is. You always know, geography-wise, where everybody is in relation to each other. Right. You can kind of make the argument for Phantom Menace as well. Yeah, pod racing scene. But, like, I think the only problem with that one is there's just so many constant pans. Yeah. And it's not a lot of tracking shots with them. That yeah no that's why I said kind of because there are issues with that scene but it does maintain access you're absolutely yeah. right and you absolutely know where the geography is with it yes and the only time you go to the other side it's like it, they'll go to a point of view shot and then go to the other side yeah um I love that one Woody is being gnawed on by Scud here and he's screaming like take care of Andy for me okay the ripping sound is that- stuff I assume that's the stuffing in the leg. Okay, but it doesn't. We never see it affected. I was always confused that, even still, that ripping sound is it Woody's grip on that canvas belt that he's holding on to, or, is or it was more? that Scud digging his into his leg? I think it's the 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 belt because he's sliding down there, he, and I think it's the friction of his hand there. I would think so because because Woody's leg was not affected whatsoever. No. But I love when Buzz jumps onto no! and, and like just pulls his eyelid and slaps him in the face with yeah. it. So Woody has to open up the truck and tries to get something and he runs into the toys there and he grabs RC and he pushes RC out of the truck. He's at it again! <laughs> I love the snake's reaction because he his eyes like he ducks under the the, the Back into the box he's in, and he pokes his head out with his eyes like the size of like needles. Like, oh my god, he's shaking. He's like, who's next? That's gonna happen there. Yeah. And so the toys revolt. Yeah. Including with the the wrestler, um, spinning him around. Yeah, yeah. Everything that's happening to Woody is happening to the to RC, who's now picked up. Uh, Buzz is now, and Scud's chasing the RC car. Yeah. <laughs> and I love when they um the. Andy, his family, and the truck have gone through the light and it's now changed uh, to become a red light. And so 
cars are going across the street, and Buzz looks at him and he starts screaming because he has to go through traffic right now. Yeah. And Scud causes a traffic jam. Right. And a collision. Right. But I feel bad. The dog. This is where I feel bad for the dog again because I've seen in like older dogs get get lost and they end up in the street and then like the cars are trying to get by the dog and they're honking their horn and the dog freaking out, freaking out. You feel bad and can't you can't help but feel bad for Scud here. Yeah, even though he's like trapped in this corral of busted, perfectly pent- pentagon shaped of cars. <laughs> <laughs> The animation was not great on the cars, but we will admit that. Uh, yeah, yeah. And so, Wood, yeah. And so Woody gets tossed out of the back of the truck. Mm-hmm. Remote still in hand. Yep. And he's like, ah, "So long, Woody." They have no emotions for the loss of RC. No, apparently RC was not the light. <laughs> that was acceptable losses right there. Yeah. The needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. They pulled a Spock right. That's the second Spock reference we got going on here. Oh my god. And RC picks up Woody, mm-hmm. and they decide to kick her in the turbo yeah. and try and catch up with the truck. Yeah. But that's when they realize Buzz is with them, and Woody was trying to save him. And I love yeah. Rex's line here, like, oh, now I have guilt. <laughs> yeah, and Lenny is looking out. Who voices Lenny, by the way? That is a good Because IMD is not helping me out with that. Um, Joe Rant, R-E-N-F-T. It was the voice as Lenny the Binoculars. Okay. I don't know. He has what, three lines in the entire movie? Yeah. But um, he, he voices a lot of things with Pixar. I assume he, does, he works for Pixar. He's with the animation department and everything at okay. Pixar. Um. So they try to lower the platform for the moving truck. Yeah, which how do you not how do the drivers not notice this? I don't know. Yeah, we're just gonna have to go with it right e- here. Exactly. But this is when the batteries start to die. Yeah. And Slinky is trying to grab hold of them and they get stretched out and you're like oh. And I, and I, and it just hurts me every time when Slinky says, I can't hold on much longer. Yeah. And Slinky gets zapped back um to the truck. RC's batteries die. Yeah. And the match that Sid put into Woody's pocket earlier that we didn't mention, they try to use that to light the rocket. That's still strapped to Buzz's back. Yep. They light it up. And I love how that was initially how it was supposed to go. It was just going to light up, and now they went. Right. But they thought it was too easy, so they had a, a car fly by and knock it out. And it's like, oh, no, no. Because if you want to write good action like that, you got to have reversals, and you got to. This happens, but this happens. Therefore, you yeah. must do this. And where the reflection, the sunlight coming through Buzz's helmet is, causes enough of a light to burn, start burning Woody's hand. And he realized, <gasps> you, you use that to light the fuse. Yeah. They light the fuse. They get back on RC. Wait a second. I just lit a rocket. Rockets explode. <laughs> shoot, shoot out. <laughs> there are so many gifts of like... <laughs> of Woody's face right there, you put the inappropriate context out there. That's like, oh my, yep. And Lenny realizes they're flying up super fast right now mm-hmm. to the point they've become airborne. Yeah, 
And I love RC's face when he like, comes back to life and he realizes he's in the air and his eyes go wide. Yeah. And they're like, oh no. And they let go of RC and then launches up, right into Mr. Potato. <laughs> exploding him. <laughs> and the rocket's going right up in the air and it looks like they're about to blow up. And Woody says that's when they're going to blow up. But Buzz says, not today. Not today. And opens up his wings and they fly away. Rocket blows up in the air. They're crashing towards the earth, but Buzz is able to bank upwards, and he's able to fly. Buzz, you're flying! This is not flying. This is falling with style. And there goes one of the most iconic shots in animation history right yeah, there. The Buzz two of them. holding Woody, and Woody's arms are out. To infinity and, and beyond. beyond! Like, no joke, all the hairs in my arms, like, like I got goosebumps watching that tonight, yeah. and I'm just like... I felt like that kid again back in 1995 watched this movie. It's hard not to smile at the very least. Yeah. And so they, but they missed a truck. Yeah. We're not going, for, we're not going for the truck. And so luckily the moonroof was, was open for the van and they land in there and Andy realizes, Hey, Woody and Buzz are in here. And Andy smiles like, look, I told you that you weren't looking hard enough for him. And I'd be like, son, I tore this van upside down looking for him. Okay. Ah, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So. Make it back. Receive a hug from Andy and they make it back to. Their new house. And months later at Christmas time. Mm -hmm. And the uh, troops are out again uh, to recon what's going on with the new presence. Right. Buzz seems to be. uh, Nervous. Nervous. This is probably the first time he's doing that. Um, Woody finds himself underneath the mistletoe with with Bo Peep. Mm Mm-hmm. And. Woody tries to assure him, like, there's probably nothing out there that's worse than you. It's a, it's a, it's a puppy. <gasps> Slam cut right back into it, going, <gasps> <laughs> and they just force smile, and then cut the credits. An hour and twenty minutes later, yeah, this movie goes by so quickly. Yeah, and like I said, produced on a budget between like thirty million dollars and made over three hundred seventy-three million dollars worldwide in. 1995. Just insane. Yeah. And I'm just going to do it. I'm going to go to Box Office Mojo right now because I want to see what it's like adjusted for inflation. Hmm. Yes. I mean, they only made $12 million opening weekend. Right. I think it was the word of mouth that Carrie did because I, yeah. who would have thought like oh, a CGI animated movie, like nobody was going to believe that would have worked. Yeah, it probably looks terrible. It didn't. No. Um. Blah, 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 blah. Tim is currently looking at the inflated price. Yeah, I'm sorry, folks. That's why I'm quiet right now. It is not giving me adjusted for ticket price inflation. Tim has found a hiccup on the website. You, Apparently, you, the, infl- the inflation price from 25 years ago. Oh, it's 395 million. That's that's it for adjusting for inflation. 395 is adjusted for. It inflation? is the adjustment because it was 373 back in 1995. Okay, so it's not 373. Yeah, gross worldwide. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it only made twelve and a half million opening weekend. That, I think that's the thing that I mean, like, which I'm surprised. It's hard. It, I guess it's just a thing nowadays. It's hard for the word of mouth movie. I mean, the, the most recent example of that is the John Wick movies. John Wick is the series that's only gone out because of word of mouth. Like, the first movie only made like I think eighty million dollars, mm-hmm. and it, it's 
um, it's just gone on making further and further. And it's just like the word of mouth of John Wick has grown. And now it's like John Wick 3 is at nearly $200 million worldwide a couple weeks in on a $55 million budget. And it's possibly the best action in the series. I mean, there are certain moments that you can kind of say, ah, oh, it's a little more green screen than you expect. But yeah, so first John Wick movie was $20 million. That's not a lot. No. But it, it looks gorgeous. It's not a cheap looking movie. Opening weekend fourteen point four, gross worldwide one hundred thirty point eight. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, and it has kept growing and growing ever there since. And so back to Toy Story. Um, final thoughts. I mean, like uh, with it, and like, did you have like what toys of this movie did you have? Did you have any of them? I mean, actually, no. Really? Yeah, I mean, all the toys that I had were... The toys I had, I weirdly enough, nobody else really did besides Legos. Because hmm. I grew up with these, like, medieval, medieval, like, knights with the big noses, round heads. Uh, nobody seemed to have those guys. Medieval knights, pirates, and, like, some other things. I had rescue, uh, rescue rangers, mm-hmm. which were awesome. Uh, Legos, and, like, a Obviously, uh, Matchbox cars and uh, Hot Wheels. But did you have more Matchbox or? I think we were a Hot Wheels family. Okay. Because so. I didn't have that many micro machines. Yeah, no. So, yeah. But the toys in the in the movie, I obviously I recognized. I mean, probably Etch-A-Sketch was the only toy I had from the actual movie. Mm-hmm. But I know my friend Greg growing up, he had a Buzz Lightyear and he had RC. Mm-hmm. And weirdly enough, RC never had batteries in it. Of course. Yeah. So, but you always had to push them around and everything. Yeah. Um, what was it? Like, I had like a little tiny Buzz that, and Woody. Um, I think I had like a like a canonically sized the alien, like three eye alien. Right. That I think it might have been. Uh, I don't know if it was supposed to go in the tub, but I definitely did, and I definitely could hear like whenever I squeeze, you could hear the yeah the joints inside crack. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I had GI Joe, but like not like GI Joe animated series, but like G, actual GI Joe dolls, right? The 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 twelve inch tall dolls that had actual moving limbs, and right? They were similar. My sister would steal them for her Barbies, of course. So yeah, those were cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, yeah, and I, we had action figures and stuff, right. various from various things. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, but like from the movie specifically, I didn't have many of those toys. All right. Um, but actually one of my favorite characters we didn't really talk too, too much about was actually Bo Peep. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously Woody's love interest. Yeah. And some, I mean, she was kind of like trying to be his, the voice of reason. Like she would always point out the, like what was obvious to the audience, to Woody, even though he didn't need to hear it. He right. didn't want to hear it. So she was there when they first introduced her, it's like, as a kid, you know they were flirting with each other in the yeah. beginning of the movie, and then as adults, like, oh my, yeah. And I it's love like, the joke. Maybe when... I can get someone else to watch the sheep tonight. And the buddy's like, oh yeah. yeah. And, then, and then she walks away, and she's like, <laughs> I'm just a couple blocks away. And, and there's, there's two blocks sitting there. It's like, ha ha ha, funny. <laughs> See, that's uh, that's how I flirt. It's kind of how I. I don't. I'm not that great at flirting. This is why we're both single. For yourself. Well, Mine's my choice. 
<laughs> yeah, I couldn't say that. It's, but, it's sort of my choice. Anyway, um, final thoughts on... Uh, I love this movie. I mean, some there are some issues with the movie. There's Like, every now and then you'll have a continuity issue. Mm. Biggest glaring one in my head is uh, the truck pulling into the gas station. Woody plays dead immediately, yet... When they cut back to him, he's his face is underneath a wheel, like center of the thing. Mm. His head would have gotten run over several times by then. Yeah, um, but like small, it's just small nitpicks that don't really affect the story too too much. Mm-hmm. But it still holds up very well. The it's not nearly as laugh out loud funny from the dialogue, even though you have those moments. Yeah, it's more visual humor. It's more slapstick humor. But it's insanely quotable. It's very quotable. Um, it's like Mean Girls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was Mean Girls before Mean Girls. I never thought I'd hear Toy Story and Mean Girls. No, mean Girls is the most quotable movie ever. I, I can agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> but um, it's really it's really good. And I missed last night when I was watching it. It's like I missed watching it. And it just comes flooding back to you. You know all the beats of the movie, yet it, you, it's still enjoyable to watch. Nice. And yeah, this is one of my all-time favorite animated movies. It's, um, like I said, I have such nostalgia with it. And the fact that my sister, Stephanie, and I, it's like one of the first things we really bonded over. And it's kind of like, um, so much that like our kind of like brotherhood and sisterhood, like relationship kind of like was built on this and everything. Like a lot of this was stemmed out of that. I mean, I missed the recording here. I, the, the gif I sent to you of yeah. of the uh, shark saying howdy, howdy, howdy. I sent it to her right before you, and she just like responded like ha 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 and the, loved the uh, image. Woody. Howdy, howdy, howdy. But favorite favorite joke. <laughs> yeah, it has to be because it's so like nonsensical, but it's hilarious at the same time, and I absolutely adore it. I mean, I have it, it's you can definitely see like it's a lot of empty spaces. Like the animation, like it was not. As superb, like say, like as Wally and heavily detailed. Like it's a lot of detail in it, but it's like it's empty rooms, and everything, and it's just it's very sparse. Yeah, yeah. Because that was just the limitations of the technology of the time. Yeah, which for what they had and what they did is so commendable. Yeah, and then John Lasseter would go on to win a special Academy Award for this yeah. for achievement in film, and I think it's definitely deserved. It didn't win best animated movie though. I um. I don't think it did. I do not know. Let me double check. So that would be the 96 Oscars? Uh, oh. Pocahontas. It wasn't until 2001. And best animated. Vo- yeah, feature. Really? A short film, short animated film. Yeah. And it was a feature, so it wasn't nominated. Oh. So it turns out that the best animated feature film wasn't a category until 2001. In which it went, the three nominees were Jimmy Neutron, Boy Genius, Monsters, oh. Inc., and Shrek. Please tell me Monsters, Inc. won. No. Somebody. No! <laughs> I ain't the sharpest no! tool I should. <laughs> oh, she God, was looking no. kind of dumb with the finger in no, the Please, no. <laughs> no. In the shape no. of an owl on her forehead. Well, the year stopped coming. They don't stop coming. <laughs> Please oh put that down. God, my ki- my Katzenberg beat out Pixar. Yarp. Jeff oh, Katzenberg. Jeff Katzenberg. Thank you. I, I, it was a fusion hub. Uh, the my guy, my guys, my guys there, and uh, yeah. yeah. Anyway, that, Shrek is not better. 
than Monsters Inc. Than no. Monsters Inc. It's enjoyable. I will it, say that. I like Trek. Yeah. But Monsters Inc. is timeless. Yes. I'll agree <laughs> with that. Anyway, so I hope everybody's enjoyed our review, our first review of the Toy Story series with the first one, Toy Story. Uh, Dakota, thank you for taking time out of your night to talk about Toy Story. Yeah, I'm sorry we had to leave it on just a, a downer note for you. I'm very upset right now. Uh, I am sorry, sir. I don't know. You can... What has endured more? What? Between Monsters, Inc. or Shrek. Definitely Monsters, Inc. See? There you go. I know, but... There's so many people... So many movies win Oscars that are completely forgotten by the following year. This is true, but still. Yeah, I know. It's the, the principle of it. I get it. Yeah. But... If you want people to follow you on social media and whatever you do on the interwebs, where can they find you? You can pretty much find me on Instagram. Uh, my art account is dwpepe underscore art. Um, you can see all the drawings that I do there. You can also check me out on deviantart.com, dwdrawings at deviantart.com, um, where I post drawings and I you can find some uh, reviews of animated shows and stuff. Nice. Thank you. Um, but if you want to have solace, the following year... Kasselberg was nominated for uh, Spirit Stallion of the Cimarron, whatever the hell it is. Yeah, but he you... lost to Miyazaki for Spirit Away. How could you not? Of course. But you did hear. I have to revisit Spirit. Uh, Spirit because like it was a gr- it was considered a girl movie because it dealt with horses and they were majestic and everything like that. And I was what was that like sixth grade, middle school, yeah, sixth like or seventh grade, and yeah. so I didn't watch it. Yeah. Anyway, if you want to follow me on social media, you can follow me on Twitter at TimothyRooney2, my Instagram at TRooney1012, my YouTube channel, Through the Lens Productions, where uh, my latest video is actually about my new vlog, Film on Film, where I talk about me battling a heat wave in order to go see John Carpenter's The Thing in New York City. And my other uh, podcast, Please Rewind, the RF 4RM Retro Show, part of the Real Fans for Real Movies Podcast Network. Mm-hmm. We do a very similar thing. We talk about movies in great detail like this, but when it comes to anniversaries. And our latest episode that we dropped was for Lethal Weapon 2. And so, yeah, go check that out at RF4RM.com, along with all the other Real Fans shows. Dakota, thank you again for taking time here to talk about Toy Story. Thanks for having me. Okay. And you're welcome. And come back next time. We continue to talk about geek and pop culture, and we'll be speaking to you soon. Bye.